0: It is uh, Wednesday, my dudes, there we are, welcome, thank you so much for tuning in, good to see you all, hope you're doing well, a little bit late here, had some issues with, uh, I think it was Restream, Uh couldn't connect with DLive, but uh, I think we're up and running, uh, had to start and stop that a couple of times, um, let's make sure here, we don't have any other issues, I think not, I think we should be up and running, uh, yeah, good to see you all, hope you're uh, doing well, Henrik here, no-go zone today, as we do on Wednesday, Wednesdays, my dudes. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. We're kind of uh, almost 15 minutes past that now, but uh, what are you going to do? Uh, tons of good stuff lined up for you guys today. A lot of things to uh, get into. A lot of things to uh, to uh, talk about. A lot of things have happened, of course. Uh, if you did miss the latest uh, weekend show that we did, definitely check that out over on redicemembers.com right now. Uh, went through the stuff about Coca-Cola. That kind of broke. Was that Friday that broke or something like that? Uh, obviously, a lot of people covered that, uh, but we showed some old commercials and stuff like that. It was kind of fun see how they've transformed, even how CIA used to use, well, they're still using things like Coca-Cola, but even how they were seeing, uh, you know, Coca-Cola is kind of this, um, you know, kind of a symbol, really, of like how you take over other countries' foreign influence and that kind of thing, right? Uh, and, of course, that that's still continued in that vein, and now, of course, they are completely uh, anti-white. Uh, we also covered a lot of other topics in there. Check that out have an update on the mRNA situation today, too. We talked about that uh, regarding the fact that it's classified as a software, not as a vaccine. Uh, Moderna, the first company they came out with, called it a software or a platform. Bill Gates have used these terms, too. It's a platform. So when you hear in the media, oh, the vaccine, vaccine, vaccine," that's bullshit. It's not a vaccine, and it can't be legally classified as that. So we talked about that, too. Uh, And also at the end, definitely check out the last segment there. we talked about Stonehenge. Uh, Fascinating, old, old ancient, ancient European, you know, native European, uh, you know, tradition and culture and stuff like that. Always like to cover some of that too. Uh, And it was actually, looks like it was moved from a location in Wales. Uh, At that time it was considered to be part of Ireland. Uh, Waunmon, I think it was called, Um, pretty interesting place. And uh, it looks like they built it around 500, um, 5,000, excuse me, BC. And then 500 years later, they moved it to its current location. Uh, fascinating research, big if true, uh, as they say, boys and girls. All right, so that's uh, that's been happening. Uh, so definitely check out that over on redicemembers.com uh, for you guys who are members. And as always, a uh, shout out and special thanks to you, boys and girls, uh, for that as well. So we're going to get into some stuff here today. Uh, I guess just a couple of formalities, of course. Uh, yes, as the lower third says, it is February 24th, 2021, for those of you who might check on later on in the archives. Uh, and of course, um, uh, we're living under an occupation and a complete uh, takeover, not uh, just in the in the US, but also in uh, most parts of the globe at this point, uh, definitely the West. Maybe there's some free uh, third world countries here and there, I'm not sure, but uh, we're living under the thumb of the uh, establishment, the rulers, as, as it were. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit today, too, regarding uh, some of the solutions that re- when it comes to Internet uh, you know, censorship and these kinds of things. There are some solutions out there, things that are on the horizon, things that are picking up, uh, which I want to you know recommend. Uh, to you guys. And and many of you are aware of some of this already, but but it's good to go over some of that and talk about it and promote some of that stuff again. Uh, Blockchain, crypto, a lot of these things, decentralized uh, methods, uh, that's going to most likely be a massive game changer for uh, those who are regime critic and uh, anti-establishment. If you do want to join us over at Entropy Stream, that's a great way, of course. A lot of folks have been uh, deplatformed by uh, Stream Labs recently. We'll talk about that too. Not a big surprise. We were a de platform back in 2018, nothing from them. Uh, but uh, Entropy is a platform that we plug uh, because they're good people. They stand up for free speech. Uh, and so if you do want to join us through a super chat today, great uh, place to do that. EntropyStream.live forward slash Red TV. Just confirming that it's up and running. I think it is here. Uh, things have a been bit, a bit slow here. But yeah, so that's one uh, way you can join in. Uh, but yeah, let's begin with this, boys and girls. Let's begin with the Fed. Uh, the Federal Reserve. We've we've talked about this. We were on the Ron Paul train, right back in the day. Federal Reserve should be audited. What is it? It's not. There's nothing federal about it. It's a, it's a, a privately owned central bank of the U.S., which of course have manipulated all, all kinds of currencies and countries. And it just gets worse and worse when it comes to the Fed. Been, I, under the during, I should say, the pandemic. Now the coronavirus scam the Federal Reserve have bought up a lot of corporate debt and these kinds of things. They've branched out. Uh, now, this is the essence, of course, of a s- why centralized systems are bad and why just a few f- hands, a few heads, can manipulate those systems. Uh, who's on the board of the Federal Reserve? Look, at, look, look! Some of this stuff up, right? It's important information to know about. So, anyway, that, their whole payment system crashed here earlier today. Oive, uh, not good, not good, right? So. Um, I had a couple of stories here uh, to talk about regarding this. The United States Federal Reserve wire system went down completely Wednesday, making it impossible for banks and other financial institutions to transfer money. The issue was resolved a little more than an hour after the outage occurred. The Fed claimed the disruption was due to an operational error. Our technical team have determined that the cause is a Federal Reserve operational error. Yeah. We will provide updates via service status as more information becomes available, the Fed said in a brief statement, later adding the Fed, quote, will communicate re- uh, remediation efforts to our customers when available. The issue impacting central bank applications have been resolved and users may resume normal access, an update alert said. The cause is a Federal Reserve operational error. We, pr- we will provide updates via service status. It's more, blah, uh, blah, blah, they're repeating that. Uh, I'm gonna check a CNBC source on that too. They have an update. I think Zero Hedge um, said, uh, did you try control alt delete? Uh, what was it? Was it Futurama that said, did you uh, clean clean the guck out of the mouse? That should, uh, that should help you there uh, to reboot. Anyway, here's a little bit of a video report here from uh, CNBC. Let's uh, check out what they said.
1: Tyler, the Federal Reserve saying uh, an operational error brought down its entire payment system. In a a statement, the Federal Reserve says a Federal Reserve operational error resulted in disruption of service in several business lines. We are restoring services, they say, and are communicating with all Federal Reserve financial service customers about the status of operations. A Fed spokesman said they are indeed in the process of restoring those Operations. The outage impacted Fed accounting services, including retail cash and the Fed wire, where banks transfer money electronically between themselves. The Fed said in a statement the cause is a, quote, Federal Reserve operational error. Unclear what the overall impact is. Fed officials did not appear to suggest there were systemic concerns with the financial system, especially since they believe the system will be fully restored soon and is currently being restored. Fed said it acknowledges that payment deadlines are impacted and it's going to communicate remediation efforts to its customers. Unclear if this ever happened before, Tyler. The New York Fed, you remember, was embarrassed, deeply embarrassed, to 2016 when hackers were able to break into the central bank in Bangladesh and trick the New York Fed into wiring more than $100 million. This is a separate sort of problem they're having, <laughs> apparently with their payment system no, tyler? No the
0: natural question here steve is right. there is no evidence is there
2: that this was an outside hack the fed apparently going out of its way if to it say was it would was never an say internal
0: error admit that. an
2: operational error which sounds like somebody uh, got fat <laughs> fingers
1: <laughs> uh tyler i think you're absolutely correct to note the uh the, the comments by the Fed there that they are not suggesting this is an outside problem. This is a, a problem that originated inside the Fed. It looks to be something connected with the Richmond Fed, where they
0: appear to be in charge of this uh, this payment system. All right. Richmond, Steve, thank- is that the, the Virginia branch or something? Interesting. ACH services. Yeah, there's a lot of things to process through there um, on that front and stuff like that, uh, which uh, which uh, I will keep an eye on and see what the reason for that could be. There, of course, always risks for hacking and, you know, American systems have been kind of you know, under pressure, a lot of uh, other forces around the world that are interested in uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of damaging that uh, that particular aspect of uh, of American finance and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, anyway, so nothing federal about the Federal Reserve, as we said, central bank, privately owned. Check out those things. Uh, very important stuff. We used to talk about that uh, quite a bit. Still do, of course, when it comes up and things like that. Federal Reserve is one of the biggest problems, uh, if not one of the bigger problems. Uh, in terms of why things are uh, in, in such a bad state to be honest. A lot of other factors too, but that's a that's a big one for sure. Um, the GameStop thing, let's return to that too. It's a deja vu all over again as uh, basically on no news. We don't know if there's this back-end communication, if this is more uh, Reddit communication, what's going on. But GameStop soared over 300% uh, and of course then it was halted again. Uh, if we learned which is just incredible uh you know we did not cover in great detail the hearing uh, that they held uh what what was his name again deep uh, uh deep what was his name it's a kitty or deep deep oh, i forget that the the guy his his ta- his testimony it kind of went viral afterwards he was a, one of the main guys who was driving the conversation over at uh, uh wall street bets um sorry i'm like glancing down and, and checking the status on the stream all the time like i'll uh, i'll uh Disturbed by that now, <laughs> is he gonna cut off? Anyway, uh, you know, that that went viral, his little testimony. And they said, we're not doing this. Robin Hood was there testifying. And we absolutely, we had to be uh, compliant with the SEC. And that's why we halted uh, payments because we didn't have the liquidity. We didn't have the that amount of money, blah, blah, blah. I didn't buy that for a second. It was it was obvious that they're protecting uh, their hedge fund masters and stuff like that. Remember, no, no one on that panel hearing asked Robin Hood, why they sell information and data about their customers to uh, to some of the big hedge funds and stuff like that it's it's basically they're using it as a predictor uh, as a predict um a prediction uh, analysis and stuff like that they're selling they're looking at early trends among the plebs if you will uh and uh you know robin hood was never about offering you know fairness and and democratizing the markets and all that stuff if that was true uh you know ifos and all that kind of stuff right they, they would be open to everybody uh, not not just the hedge funds and the and the elite at the top, but, but it is right. So they wanted to use the data that they could achieve from seeing where people are put placing some of you know the little scraps of some of the money that they have left on 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 apps like Robinhood, right? And then the, apparently they can an, uh, analyze that data and sell it to some of the big guys to see you know early trends and and you know so much of that trading is already automized by artificial intelligence and you know robotics basically is handling, uh, you know. Fractional uh, fractional uh, trading, I think it's called, or something like that. Anyway, um, so yeah, GME went over 300%. Uh, let me see if I can find some details about it here. Uh, as it appears, a gamma squeeze was manufactured once again as a deep OTM calls expiring Friday were heavily bid today. The huge volume options trades hit around, um, okay, what time do they have? that like just past noon, I guess. Um, is that Eastern Standard Time? I think it is. Uh, which corresponded perfectly with the start of the explosion higher in the stock. Okay, there's some um, technical analysis here by Zero Hedge. Uh, it wasn't just GME hit it either. AMC up 40%. That was other another stock that the Wall Street Bets was uh, uh, heavily kind of involved in, lifting the entire basket of WSB faves favorites. Okay, uh, short squeeze stock basket. All right, here we go. How long before Robinhood is taken offline? And then there was. Uh, and then there was this right before the melt up from GME's newest board member, Chewy founder Ryan Cohen. Okay, is that before it happened or after? Weird. The squeeze is back after a month, uh, about a month after everyone was transfixed by the GameStop led short squeeze uh, insanity, which now, however, fizzled. Which, however, sorry, fizzled in early February when the stock plunged more than eighty percent from as high as five hundred dollars to forty bucks. Moments ago, GME exploded higher, surging more than 70% in the last half hour of trading on no news and what appears to be yet another attempt to spark a short squeeze, which, however, might be difficult with just 32.8% of the float now short, a drop of roughly 100% from a month ago. Squeeze or not, after GME was reopened for trading following a brief halt, the stock exploded even higher and was halted for a second time when it was up 100% trading, uh, just above $91. So this is how this is how they on the ship incredible uh that they are just pulling this off they're they're dragged before congress you know swearing in for an oath right um you know you, and asked questions are this what you were doing is this where uh you know are you working with melvin capital all this no no, no it's fine we're not you know we're just we're, we're here to uh, to please the people right and then they do it again it's it's incredible uh there was also of course a reddit outage reported after gamestop shares erupted in epic short squeeze which is also suspicious. Again, all of this is pointing to like you can't you can't be on these centralized systems because all it takes is one person on the inside or one person at the top to halt things, to prevent things, to, you know, block things whatever have you, right? That's why decentralized finance, decentralized uh, decentralized exchanges is where the future is at. That's why decentralized or blockchain based, whether it's video sharing, message boards, websites, domains, all of it is going to be you know, on 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 decentralized blockchain technology in the future, and that's where it's at. We're going to talk about that in a moment too. Uh, but yeah, so you know, majority of people are still on these big sites, overseen and ruled over by these SJWs and, and these, uh, you know, they're, they're in the pocket of the right people, basically, right? Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, all of these sites. I wish people would get off of them, and and eventually, it's I think the majority are going to have to because uh, the censorship is just getting worse and worse by the day. Um, okay, wait a minute. So here's an update. Here we can, we can check down below first. Uh, Dow detector reports Reddit users experiencing issues and outages across the country on Wednesday afternoon. So, are they telling me that this is a uh, a coincidence that it was right when the stock, a little bit after, I guess the stock was surging? Um, there's no definitive link between the GameStop led short squeeze and the stock zooming up over 100 in minutes, uh, and everyone checking Wall Street bets. Uh, Board on Reddit, but certainly it is a coincidence. It's a Cohen incidence. Reddit outages developed around that, uh, the time GME sh- uh, shares exploded higher. <clears throat> okay, all right. If you say so, <laughs> I'm sure it's coincidental. Uh, Black Philip over on Enterprise Stream says uh, I made back all my massive crypto losses this week in one hour holding GME. Really? Wow. Be very careful this time, guys. Don't fall for memes and let the hedge uh, and let the hedge funds make you hold the bag. Beware. Yeah, I, there's a lot of. I agree, Black Philip. There's a lot of gay ops right now uh, involved in you know trying to push different things or in order to uh, to get people to lose a lot of money and stuff like that. Um, but that's too bad. You had crypto losses again. If you would have held it, I guess. I mean, long term, long term. I'll talk about that later too. But long term, I think. I mean, Bitcoin. Bitcoin is king. That's just how it is, right? But there's a lot of other blockchain projects uh, that, if you know, if you if you'll place your money right early on you you can make a lot of money on that it's just a reality right it's uh, it's gambling to a certain extent of course yes uh, although i will say bitcoin i mean the all broke all time record highs here a couple of days ago now uh 52 what was it 52 53000 per bitcoin and it, it, it's that is still cheap boys and girls that is still cheap um, we had a little bit of a crash. Was down what ten percent, something like that? What, where is it at now? Forty-eight thousand. Uh, I did check earlier today. I forget 48, 49, something like that. A little bit of a recovery for Bitcoin. Um, it's up to 49, dollars, four hundred twenty-eight, or forty-nine thousand four hundred twenty-eight dollars right now. So it's gained back a little bit of that, uh, but it's only about five percent down or something. I think there will be another crash. I think that there's something uh, coming on the Bitcoin front here. It usually uh, kind of crashes in that way, It's almost like it bounces down a stair like that, and then it takes off again. But I mean, it was a para- parabolic increase in Bitcoin price here, obviously, just uh, uh, over the last uh, what month and a half, two months. Insane, absolutely insane. Uh, but I, I don't think we've seen anything yet. You know, there's good. Ho- hopefully, there will be another correction, which will be a great opportunity for all of you guys to get in. And I mean, just it's just. <laughs> I mean, it's still early. This thing is. As as all these fiat currencies are being devalued and stuff like that, uh, whether you believe in the technology, whether you think it's uh, it's bad, whether it's uh, building some beast system system with digital currencies, and and that all that's good, and I I hear all of that. Uh, at the same time, would you want to sit on the sidelines and not take advantage of that because they're going to build it regardless, whether you are a part of it or not? They're going to build it and they're going to do it and they're going to create all these things whether it's blockchain or whatever, hopefully we have good people involved in these blockchain companies. And it's good, uh, f- you know, freedom, freedom of speech oriented people that are behind some of these blockchain, co- you know, companies and projects and stuff like that. Uh, but if if not, uh, why not make s- some money on it? I think, I mean, long, long term, I think none of this is going to last, right? B- because, you know, oh, we- Bitcoin doesn't work without power. Yeah, th- that's true, obviously. Uh, but I think that's long, long term, right? And, uh just long term Bitcoin is going to do very well I think uh some of the other currencies as well and then short term of course uh you know it's going to just going to get much worse on the censorship front and stuff like that but there's so many use cases for the cryptocurrencies right now because of not only censorship and stuff like that but people are you know the, the financial sector is going to tank they're they're banning people and stuff like that and people are going to get scared I mean Tesla dipped their toe in now right they bought 1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin. Other businesses are looking at that. They, they're they're going to get in. I have a clip here later with uh, Mac, Max Kaiser talking about this, uh, which just just mathematically, when just ten percent of the of the you know sec- the financial sector gets involved and places some of their uh, you know their holdings in Bitcoin as opposed to fiat or whatever they're holding, you're going to have a forty x fifty x one hundred x. We we don't know. Uh, there seems to be no ceiling on it yet, but we'll look at that in a moment. I, I didn't mean to you know, go rail off on Bitcoin right away here, but it's very interesting. Uh, it's absolutely very interesting. All right, so we talked about the the Reddit stuff there, um, and yes, yeah, you said uh, Black Philip uh, over in uh, on Entropy? A lot of gay ops running right now, so you know be be wary of where you place your money, and obviously this is it's you you know you should never place money you can't afford to lose. It's 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 you know betting at this point. It's gambling to a certain extent. Uh, although I think long, to, long, you know, huddle positions are going to do very well, especially in crypto. Um, so Streamlabs, of course, uh, has been censoring people. We uh, don't think we talked in detail about this yet. Uh, Matt Christensen was one of the ones that were hit. There's many others that were hit. We were censored by them back in, I think, 2018, maybe 19. It was a slew of people they went after at that point, And then they left a lot of people alone. I think Killstream was, uh, this is also not in the recent ban, but it must have been a pre- uh, few months back, something like that. Hard Bastard, uh, I think, lost him. And they, they weren't saying anything. Revenge of the Sis, they lost their uh, Streamlabs, and they were not getting any clear answers. What For what reason? What did we do? They're just going on this like insane you know, banning spree and just removing anybody, basically, that they they, they do not like. So anyway, Matt Christensen was kind of going back and forth with Streamlabs uh, about this, too. I guess we can read some of this. Live streaming software Streamlabs has terminated the account of popular YouTuber and podcast, Matt Christensen. He works, you know, the shows with... Uh, blonde in the Belly as well. Um, so the banned him without notice and refused to refund his payment for a year of service that he no longer will receive. Oh, great. That's very nice. Christians have been using Streamlabs Prime, a paid version of the software to accept donations on the live stream, uh, live streams on, on his uh, politics and culture podcast, Matt and Blonde show, which he co-hosts with uh, Blonde in the Belly. But uh, days before his most recent live stream, Christiansen tweeted that Streamlabs had deleted his account with, without notice. I think when it was uh, heard on Revenge of the Sith, they hadn't deleted their accounts. They had just they could they just lost like the page that you you have to create a page to accept donations from. They had deleted them, but they they still had access to their accounts. It's very strange. He added that Streamlet cited terms of service violations as a reason for the account closure, but provided no explanation for how he violated the terms. So he went back and forth with him. Nothing was said, why, you know, this is usual. They don't have to, they don't have to say anything, right? They can just ban you for whatever reason. Uh, Completely insane, Streamlabs says they will not refund me for a year of service, I will not receive, and they will also not explain why. You guys are truly disgraceful. Stop using these companies, stop using them. And it is annoying because it's like, you know, when people have Streamlabs, and I see it on other people's, uh, you know, uh, podcasts and stuff like that too, streams that that they do. Like, the majority of people are going to the big platforms, you know. They want to use PayPal. They want to use Streamlabs and stuff. And then you set up, you know, alternatives like, you know, entropy and stuff like that. And people are not—just not willing or used to it or something. You know what I mean? Same thing with DLive. We're demonetized there. We're doing very well with donations and stuff, and things are good. And then it's like, you know, for, for no reason, after the goofball riot, you know, January 6th, everybody that was slightly political are, are just banned, you know, it's, and demonetized, rather. And that's annoying. So that has to change. People are have to be willing— to go to other services and other platforms. Um, Christensen also noted that one of his features of Streamlab Prime is VIP support, but when he tried to use his support to get his account restored, he was told it was only for tech help, like capturing issues or being not being able to go live. Okay, while Streamlabs didn't elaborate on how Christensen violated its terms, uh, he suspects that the company closed his account because of something else that was said in chat. Yeah, some, I mean, if that's what it is, that's incredible. If it's because of some, what someone says in chat, I don't think it's that. I think this is part of the type of programs that we're going to see be ramped up to just insane levels under Joe Biden, uh, like Operation Point. right? Anybody who's just remotely political, who doesn't agree with the establishment are going to be demonetized. They're going to lose their services. We're we're a, kind of a canary in the coal mine on this front too. Uh, you know, We lost our uh, bank account with Wells Fargo back in 2018 or something. We lost PayPal back then. All these things, right? Um, and then, of course, consequently, you're put on these, uh, you know, blacklists, essentially, right? Because Wells Fargo is such a big company. They have tentacles on every sector in the financial industry. They have subsidiaries. They have uh, all this kind of stuff like clearing houses, like First Data and some of these companies. And so they go on to ban you. So you can't even process uh, payments online. You can't process credit cards anymore, which is, which is insane through our website. We have other ways now, but still, you know, uh, and how long before they come for those options, too? Um, the entropy streams, the, uh, the subscribe stars, these, right? Uh, I'm sure that's next, This is it's insane, right? All right, so yeah, recent wave of demonetization on YouTube, we'll talk about that in a moment too. It's just crazy. Uh, Black Philip again over on entropy stream says, uh, warning about Robinhood, how they make money If uh, is they skim off the price of the stock you buy. The price isn't the real market price, right? It's marked up by a tiny fraction. They also sell you watch list data. Yeah, that's what I've heard of, uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these, you know, even exchanges and stuff. They make a lot, even crypto exchanges and stuff. They make incredible amounts, actually, on uh, uh, you know, transaction fees and payments when you go in and out on and off ramp, you know, uh, transactions and stuff like that, which is crazy. Yeah, I again, I just don't use Robinhood. Do not use Robinhood. Get involved in something like uh, One Inch or uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, what's the other decentralized exchange? There's a couple of ones. Someone said Polkadot, but that's not it. Um, Polka starter. Uh what's the other one? Um yeah, 1 inch. There's another one, decentralized exchanges. It'll come to me in a moment. Uh they're starting to go into other stocks and stuff like that too. It's not just for crypto. They're starting to go into other um normal stocks and, like that too. I mean, it, it, don't buy crypto through the cash app they have like they're making a lot of money on this and people just have to stop using these big evil corporations right uh, Robinhood is definitely one of them it's, it's horrendous to treatments it's it's despicable the way they treated their uh, their customers right And people just keep doing it because it's simple and stuff like that. But again, that's why decentralized blockchain-based finance is where it's at. Because no one's going to be able to shut this down. No one's going to be able to go in and choke out the price or prevent you from buying or selling at a certain point. Anything like that, right? Uh, Adam Californian over on Entropy Stream. uh, That's entropystream.live forward slash redice TV. Says, I was telling Adam Green on Tim Murdoch's show to use entropy. uh, Tim was able to remonetize Adam on DLive, but turning off XTAG and... Turning on mature tag, you should reach out to Tim. Adam was instantly able to receive lemons. Yeah. So I can't do that. I've tried that because we were per my X tag. So I can do it again right now. I have the backend on D live open, but turn on mature audiences. I turn off X tag and then I save and then I refresh and it, it, the X tag is just back on. Right? So if you have, if you're X tagged, you can't receive any, any lemons. I appreciate the help though. Uh, yeah, pancake swap. I see someone in chat saying that that's good. Right. That was, but that's by Bi- isn't that Binance chains or by Bi- uh, Binance through Binance Chain or something like that, which is, again, the not uh, decentralized fully. Uh, one inch. There's another one I'm forgetting. Maybe someone in chat said it, but I wasn't keeping an eye. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, some other uh, censorship issues here. Uh, millennial Woes, shout out to him. I spoke to him briefly on uh, Telegram today. He, uh, I was going to cover it today anyway, but uh, he lost his YouTube channel. Not surprised, of course. Uh, many others, uh, Way of the World, lost him, his as well. And this comes after the prior... The prior where the world, he lost his and then he was re-established, or what do you call it, um reactivated, I guess. And then now he finally lost it again. And he said, I'm not starting another YouTube channel, uh, so if you want to see my future productions, you can follow me on BitChute. Here's my latest. Also on Library, where my videos are in HD. So Library, Odyssey, and BitChute seems to be where it's at. One thing I like about uh Library or Odyssey uh is that they are not only uh, testing live streaming right now, but they do have the library token native kind of evolved into the platform. So if they use that as some kind of super chat function, that'd be, that would be excellent. Right? There are some other ones as well. I've been looking at uh, video. I I have to do more research on it. I found it the other day called video coin, uh, which is another claim to be a decentralized uh, video platform. You can host, you can live stream all these kinds of things. So we're like, we're, we're right there, right at the cusp. And there's a lot of people, that are terrified of blockchain technology decentralized methods to deliver video, whether it's uh, you know decentralized network peer-to-peer, whether it's torrent, whether it's in other ways, I think videocoin was if they if their claims are accurate, they're, they're talking somehow about breaking up packets in, in like in smaller pieces and you're just kind of shattering it over a number of different places on on a de- decentralized network. And then, you know, it's pulled together somehow. Again, I'm not sure how that will work on the back end. But, you know, so basically there's no there's no way of doing it. Now, the, the question where it's interesting is what does happen if some of these platforms then host illegal content, right? Where they actually are breaking the law, not just some bullshit about like, well, we don't like this speech or this is hate speech or something. I mean, that's protected under the First Amendment in the U.S. at least, right? Uh, what happens then, right? Because there, there's got to be some way of moderating it. So the question is... Will they stay true to that then, of, of just taking illegal content down? Because otherwise, I understand that they can have their whole business destroyed. They can be, go, you know, they can go after them legally and stuff like that, right? So they have to do something, as far as I understand the situation. I don't mm-hmm. think they can just invent the technology and let it lose out there, and then whatever happens happens. I mean, in a way, that would be great. I'm whatever, right? Uh, in a way, if you don't like the content, you just don't have to look at it. But I'm there's got to be something. It's got to be something there in place, right? Um, all right anyway thank you uh Adam Californian for that appreciate that uh good points all of it but I yeah it's um uh, entropy is the way to go that that's just how, that's that's how it goes for now that's the way to go until there are other blockchain uh you know solutions and and tokens or crypto or something like that uh so yeah quick mention about here other youtubers were demonetized um and of course and this is beginning to hit now people who are uh I guess left, I guess, some left, uh, you know, creators. And anyway it's like, uh, haha, because a lot of these people have never stood up for pe- when people on the right were censored. Uh, I'm not saying that people like Ford Fisher have necessarily been like anti-right-wing or whatever, but he was like the, the Daily Beast, uh, these people that they loved Ford Fisher and what he does and stuff like that, and now he's demonetized. This happened to him bef- before in the past, right? They do not want anyone who has a an outside voice to to make it. That's what this is about and this is what we said to. It's not just gonna be nip, nitpicked in, uh, on the right, it, it, there's gonna do it on the other end as well and that quarter is gonna shrink and shrink and these people didn't listen and then didn't give a shit and they were applauding and and, and gloating when people on the right were uh, were mono, uh, not only demonetized, but banned outright. Anyway, the latest batch of demonetized channels aren't the usual targets of conservative commentators, but ranges from journalists to progressive figures. I've never heard of this. Graham Elwood, don't know what it is, the progressive soapbox, the convo couch, frank analysis hannah reloaded cyber demon and ford fisher ford fisher i know who's, I, I know about uh, news to share he's he's doing a lot of things when there's anything kind of remotely controversial out there especially in the, D- the dc area events and marches and protests and stuff like that uh so they're the latest in the YouTube's demonet- demonetization purge they are facing the same problem faced by others before them including many who had no obvious political affiliation, and the thing that they have in common is that they are not big enough for YouTube to treat them with respect. Um, respect here would mean proper transparency around such serious issues that often threaten creators' livelihood, explaining why exactly their channels have been demonetized and providing a way to communicate with the company that goes beyond bot-generated generic messages about violations of nebulous community or partner policies. So they 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 have they have allowed people to build up a way of forming businesses, creating a livelihood online on services after years of doing things. And in some regards, even though some of it is not even remotely controversial, if there's enough uh, trash about it in the mainstream media, um, that will ruin these people's reputation forever. This is what they want, of course. They're using that as a threat to to make sure that other people don't dare to, to continue on that path or do similar things. So it serves a very specific function. But then when they just yank that for no reason, I mean, that's... It's something distinctly evil about that. And the fact that they do not get any backlash uh, from mainstream uh, or from politicians or stuff like that, it's just amazing and it, and it shows you how controlled the system is and how little um, genuine people there are out there that actually care about these things and understand the s- severity of the situation, right? Uh, check out, just a couple of headlines real quick here. Facebook's algorithm labels grandmother's grandmother as hateful over photos of her knitted pigs. This is where this is going now, right? Uh, CPAC.org, the cons- Conservative Action uh, poli- Conservative Political Action Committee, uh, had their website uh, uh, is now getting a warning message, right? A warning message that the, the link may be unsafe. Unsafe if you if you post to it. Uh, BitChute experienced this a while back, which of course is ridiculous because like BitChute has all kinds of content these days on it, gaming content. Uh, unboxing things uh you know key, you know and, you know uh pet videos whatever uh majority is, of it is political content and majority of that is on the right uh, but still you know so a quick uh, you know it's very quickly that this is beginning to just uh you know mushroom out right as we said uh they will they will never stop it will just be more and more and more and eventually you won't be able to use these sites which is like oh good that's you know that's that's where if that's where this needs to go that's where this needs to go uh, quick mention about this one to Parler's new CEO. We mentioned him, I think, in one of the last. I forget it was Flashback Friday, which one? But Mark Meckler. Uh, we did, uh, I think, a Vicky uh, look on the guy. Uh, you know, uh, Parler's new CEO wants convention that would let George Soros rewrite the Constitution. Apparently, apparently there was some um, drama about this. Uh, Gab uh, CEO Andrew Torba, shared it on uh, a couple of places. This article, and so then. Uh, uh, what's the guy' name? Uh, Dan Bongino started coming after uh, Torba, talking shit on him on his show or something. I, I don't know. I just saw it in passing. But uh, anyway, parlors. So it could be. Now the other guy, John Metz or Mutz or whatever Mutz, I think his name was, uh, definitely looked much better. And and I think the intention maybe early on would be good. I the Mercer money doesn't look good. To be honest, I I, I don't get that. Uh, I, I think I don't think uh, Mechler was Jewish, though. I could be could be wrong. I look at the early portion on Wikipedia. I didn't say anything about that, anyway. Um, but it's regardless of how the intention was in the beginning. That's this seems to have now turned into a honeypotlet, which many people said to their credit, of course. And I didn't say it wasn't. I just said, well, you know, it's it's fine. Just spread out beyond as many different platforms as you can, as usual. Um, and, you know, if some, some of them turn out to be uh, BS, then just, you know, close your account or walk away or whatever. Uh, Parler's new CEO is the public face of the Convention of States. Convention of States. Which would rewrite the U.S. Constitution. Soros is a big proponent. Interesting. Mark Meckler, the new interim CEO of Parlor, currently supports a Convention of States that would give George Soros and other interests the power to rewrite the Constitution. Meckler, who was appointed as an interim CEO of Parlor following the removal of founder John Matz, uh, currently runs the Convention of States project, a supposed grassroots organization pushing for a convention under Article Five of the Constitution. The project describes itself as a national effort to call a convention under Article Five of the United States Constitution, restricted to pr- proposing amendments that will impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit its power and jurisdiction, and impose term limits on its officials and members of con- uh, on its officials and members of Congress which initially sounds appealing. However, a report by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities argued that such a restriction on Article 5 convention would be impossible, which states um, which states unable to control what a convention could and uh, could and could not discuss, and nobody else having a clear constitutional control over the convention. Former Chief Justice Warren Berger, great name, Uh, wrote in 1988 that, quote, there is no way to effectively limit or muscle the actions of a constitutional convention. The convention could make its own rules and set its own agenda. Congress might try to limit the convention to one amendment or one issue, but there's no way of assuring that the convention would obey. After a convention is convened, it would be too late to stop the convention if we we don't like its agenda. Okay, interesting. Anyway, it goes on from there, talking about... um, that the Convention of States project is joined in a push for a convention by George Soros, other leftist advocacy organization, who, as soon as a convention was called, would likely push for all of their constitutional amendments on the table. Of course. All right, interesting. So um, some uh, dodgy, dodgy stuff uh, over at Parlor. Not surprised. All right, so let's talk about the Bitcoin thing here too, a little bit. I'm going to get into this decentralized. Issue. There's a lot of people terrified about this. Check out this clip. It's normally I'm not like super gung ho about Max Kaiser for I don't know for some reason he's done some good stuff uh, over the years and of course he's been very adamant about Bitcoin, uh, very anti Federal Reserve and things like that. But uh, um, check out a few minutes of this here to get get you an idea. They're men- they mentioned I want to play it because they mentioned some good things that people need to know about regarding what is going to begin to happen with Bitcoin when large financial institutions are. Starting to realize that there's mainstream adoption and that they have to get in if they're not going to miss the boat. Right? It's still early. Bitcoin is early. As crazy as fifty thousand dollars for Bitcoin is right now, po- pro- you know, possible, most likely by the end of this year, that's going to be seen as an amazing price to get in on. Right? Anyway, let's uh, let's check this out. See if you like this. Yes.
2: This is the Max Kaiser playbook. I've been sharing this with everybody around the world for ten years now. And a lot of people in the world who got into Bitcoin at a dollar, ten dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, except for Peter Schiff, who I told to buy it at a dollar or ten dollars, and he refused. Oh no,
3: he says you didn't tell him at a dollar. You told him at ten dollars. Right.
0: Oh, that's what. Oh, that's not at all why Peter Schiff is uh, salty about uh, Bitcoin, right? Have you seen? Do you guys know Peter Schiff? He con constantly says Bitcoin is b- garbage and bullshit. He was told, he didn't get in.
2: <laughs> but thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people around the world did. They're sitting on millions and millions of dollars worth the unrealized profits. And here's the thing, Stacy. I saw you were tweeting about, you know, when are you going to sell it? And you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to sell it because I predicted going up to 500,000 or more and I'm just going to use it as collateral. Yes. At, as, as, as uh, you know, borrow against it and I can use it that way. I don't, why would I ever sell it?
3: i won't sell any bitcoin from here on out there's lots of um tech you know new platforms and services being offered for people in the bitcoin space so you can always just keep stacking and then borrow against your bitcoin and i do want to say you know (laughs) you can't say that max didn't tell you so that these people are coming these corporations are coming these institutions are coming it was it was really triggered by paul tudor jones entering the space back in the second quarter of 2020 and now we see Elon Musk and Tesla with $1.5 billion. We don't know how much um, SpaceX has bought, but presumably they also bought some for their treasury, but they don't have to you know, file that with the SEC. Really? US corporates hold record $2.5 trillion in cash to meet pandemic shock. So that's 2.5 trillion. So if they all do like Elon, how much is that $250 billion worth of uh, purchases coming? So even if half of them do it, that's 125. If uh, 25% of them do it, it's like 75 billion. So there's a lot more money on corporate balance sheets where yep. you know that Tesla money came from.
2: Right, look at the big picture here. There's $300 trillion worth of investable assets on Earth. that includes stocks bonds property precious metals how much of that is invested in bitcoin right now less than one percent so we're looking less than to what do the elon s- here suck on 10. that for a while
0: less than one percent so far less than one percent and as we are getting these i mean just the pandemic alone has triggered a massive printing, of course, of the U.S. dollars. What is it, like twenty-five percent, or something? probably more now, of what's in circulation has just been over the last uh, year. I think, or something ridiculous like that. They are, you know, in a way that, as you have inflation of the of the dollar and other currencies, yes, that will kind of boost, artif- in a in a way, artificially boost, you know, the dollar price for a bitcoin. In a way, it's not totally accurate. But that's irrelevant because as more and more companies go into it, buy into it, uh, you know, states, they, they see that this is a store of value and they want to sit on some and hold some. The more they buy. And and then again, when you eventually the uh, the number of Bitcoin runs, Chat, do you remember it was it 850 million Bitcoin? What, what was it again? How many Bitcoin was it uh, total? Maybe not that many. Maybe it was just 850,000. I have to look. I forget what the exact number was, but it's a limited number. And so you can kind of do the math and deduce how much about uh, one Bitcoin would be worth when you're seeing these large investments coming in and they wanna be uh, invested in Bitcoin. And so right now it's just 1%. What happens when it gets to 10 or 25 or 50, right? Amazing, unbelievable prices uh, for, for Bitcoin.
2: 10%, uh, that's $30 trillion right there. Uh, Bitcoin is still less than a trillion dollars. So I figure that's how I come up with 40X from here. Uh, that's just a ten percent allocation of Bitcoin. And of course the thing is that we're gonna see fiat money basically go the way of all fiat money, which is ninety nine point nine percent loss of purchasing power. Yeah. So that's And
0: it's this, if you look at the cycle of if you look at the cycle of uh I think any currency, most of them don't last more than like two hundred and fifty years or something. I forget what the exact details was. There's this cyclical thing, I mean you had collapse of the currency in, you know, in, in Rome, all of these big empires, all these big, um, you know, countries have gone through this kind of cycle and eventually just crashes completely. And uh, uh, where where are they going to go? Where are they going to go when that happens? They're going to go in to Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Digital currencies is where it's at, whether you like it or not. Get on the boat now. Get on the boat now we talked we did shows about this back in 2013 we did in 2016 we did in 2017 we t- talked to people urged them don't put in more money than you can lose but if you have some assets um put some of that in bitcoin i and hold it long term hold it for hold it for 5 years see what happens hold it for 5 years get in now get in now
2: 10% effectively becomes 50, 60, 70%. Again, there is no top to the price of Bitcoin uh, because fiat money is a bottomless pit that loses for the past 300 years 99.9% of its purchasing power.
3: And in a year's time, next year, when we're doing this, we're going to look back. We're going to all watch this episode back together and laugh that uh, Elon was able to buy that mm-hmm. for 40,000, mm-hmm. not
2: 400,000.
0: Exactly. Well,
2: crazy pays. And okay, what I mean is that the benefit of being crazy or having the perception of being crazy is that you can get good deals on bitcoins still. Yeah, you know, it's and still I've a good deal. Thought I've often you know said that people say Max is crazy, but um, the point is that I want to make sure that I don't attract the beige people, oh, the middle of the road people, no. the average investor people. You know, uh, I want to stay away from those people because they'll be buying it at four or five, six hundred thousand a coin. The crazy people who make their own path—they're happy to buy it at a $1, dollar, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, $1, a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars. That's the path of the crazy people, uh, who is the same as Elon Musk. Elon Musk is perceived by many to be crazy. He goes on Joe Rogan. He's smoking a joint. Yes. This guy can't be trustworthy. Why would I do what this guy's doing? But that's very calculated uh, to fend off the uh, competition. And he clearly worked this time. I mean, he was able to score a huge amount of Bitcoin still at these ridiculously cheap prices. Yeah.
3: Who's going to come next, right? After Elon Musk. We pointed out uh, $2.5 trillion. I, I don't think, you know, I saw a lot of people talking to Tim Cook saying, oh, Tim Cook, you know, you have what? They have like $250 billion or something on their balance sheet. Sure, they have a lot of debt, you know, so they accumulated a huge amount of debt in order to pay the dividend without having to pay taxes and, uh, with, with, you know, sending out that cash. So...
0: Yeah, Bitcoin, you know, let me uh, see. The circulating supply of Bitcoin right now uh, is 18,637,700 BTC. And it, and it's about 88.75% mined, I, I would assume. And, and yes, the, the, there's other things here involved too. When it comes to the mining, the big mining pools out there, that's getting more and more expensive electricity-wise and all that kind of stuff, right? But soon enough, that will be mined, and then it's a finite supply. That's it. That's when you're going to see it just skyrocket to incre- incredible prices, right?
2: Well, you know, the source who told me the news before the MicroStrategy Conference, remember I tweeted that? Yeah. source told me big corporate buyer coming. Yeah. Turned out to be, uh, I couldn't give the name at that time because it was I didn't want to get my source in trouble. So there it was Tesla and the news has come out. The same source is telling me now, uh, unusually uh, a name of a company that that is in the running, according to this source, of being the next huge corporation to get into Bitcoin. And uh, that would be Oracle with uh, Larry Ellison.
3: Nevertheless, Stan Druckenmiller, who has not had one down year with his hedge fund since 1981, that's a pretty good performance, okay? He's uh, outperforming most other hedge funds, I would say. And he just said to Goldman Sachs that he is very, very, not just one very, very, very short the U.S. dollar, which is a pretty brave call, right? A brave move to do.
2: Yeah, and he's uh, shorting uh, U.S. Treasury bonds, which has been a, as they say, widowmaker trade now for 20 years, certainly since 2008. Remember 2008 crisis hit? and that was met with a flood of money printing and a lot of yeah. people pundits financial pundits were saying hey you know this is going to cause inflation but it never really did cause inflation because all that free money was then bought back by the central bank so they they neutralized uh, the impact of the money printing by doing but that's going to hit some months.
0: point that's going to hit
2: so this has been going on now since uh, really 2008 in a huge way and certainly in the larger context certainly going back as you point out to the 1980s Alan Greenspan. But now at this juncture, I believe we're at the stage where debt monetization is not gonna work yeah, anymore. I think it's so right. the impacts of that money printing start to seep into and leak into the economy for real. And that's why you see commodities entering now a secular bull market. So they have been in a secular bear market for a while. Now they're starting to uptick. So oil is on a tear. Oil- we're,
0: li- we're listening, cy- Cyber Surfer. <clears throat> we're listening to Meryl Streep and Bono talk about Bitcoin because, <clears throat> because you need to get some. That's why. Because in a year from now, two years from now, <clears throat> if you don't have any, you'll be beating yourself over the head that you didn't listen to when Henrik talked about Bitcoin over a year ago when I can get some for $49,000 and now it's at $400,000 or whatever. That's what, we're, that's what we're listening to. I think they make some good points here. What will happen to Bitcoin? How far will it go? We're about halfway through that video, but you, you get the idea. I think that this, it's very important for you to understand this. And, and, and it's tied to a lot of other things too that we're seeing right now as well. With the very idea of blockchain decentralization, uh, defeating, defeating the globalists, right? We, have to, uh, we have, to, <laughs> have to be some pushback here against these people. They're censoring us, they're shutting us down, they're preventing us from uh, being part of the financial sector because we say the wrong things, they don't like what we say. Uh, some of them are trying to get in on the show and think, oh, it's not a big deal. Some of them are terrified. Some of them are trying to look the other way. If they can't control it, they wanna to try to regulate it out of existence, all these things, I don't personally think that none of that is going to work, right? They might even go in, um, as my brother said uh, earlier today, it was like, well, Uh, Just watch, like people like Bill Gates and Joe Biden is going to use some kind of green, uh, some kind of green agenda bullshit, like weaved into. uh, It's just too expensive and too uh, carbon costly to uh, use all these GPUs out there to process and for for mining of bitcoins. It's really it's it's too much of a carbon footprint. We'll put carbon taxes on bitcoin mining. You know things like this. Regardless, I just I don't think it's going to work. Right? I don't think they will be able to stop it. Uh, So this was a story here from. Few days ago, here Bill Gates neutral on Bitcoin. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. And and keep in mind, some of these guys, they have bought in. They have a lot of it, but they do, they don't say anything. Don't want to artificially, you know, drive up the price. In some cases, they do drop things in order to artificially get the price to go down, to get people to be afraid and and, and bail out, so that they can buy in cheaper. Right? You have these mass movements of whales or whatever. There's the the F two pool, one of the biggest mining pools, I think. Um. There was some sign the other day there, there were like uh, uh, a lot of uh, of the um, Bitcoin was was going into, was leaving the pools and going into the exchanges, uh, which is kind of a sign that someone is is intending to buy it. Um, and then you kind of had a little bit of a correction after that and stuff. But there, there, yes, there is a lot of manipulation, but overall the, the the general trend is up and up and up, right? Bill Gates, neutral on Bitcoin, uh, says that cryptocurrency is an innovation the world can do without though. So he doesn't like blockchain for some reason, old Bill. Microsoft founder Bill Gates is no longer a Bitcoin bear. He has now taken a neutral stance on Bitcoin as an investment. However, as an innovation, he says that cryptocurrency is one, of the world, uh, is one that the world would be better off without because it allows for certain criminal activities. That's right. So Bill, old Bill, is not involved in any criminal activities when it comes to selling us uh, MRNA software uh, that uh, that's injected into people. That, that's totally fine. His depopulation programs, his vaccination programs everywhere, his his uh, bullshit globalist uh, groups that he funds and stuff like that—that that, that's fine, right? Bill Gates spoke about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in two separate interviews Thursday. One was on CNBC, where he was asked what he thinks about Bitcoin in the context of climate change, seeing how Bitcoin takes an enormous amount of energy to digitally mine. Gates simply replied, "I don't own Bitcoin. I'm not short. Uh, I'm not short Bitcoin, so I've taken a neutral view." Bitcoin can go up and down just based on the mania or whatever the view, views are. And I don't have any, a way of predicting how that will progress, Gates continued. Either he's lying or he's telling the truth. There's only those two options. If he's telling the truth, I mean, the same thing happens with any, anything in the financial markets is driven by the same kind of news, right? Insider information all the time. Incredible corruption and and the power is in very few hands to drive price up or down, right? shorting as we saw with GameStop uh, GameStop stocks all that stuff right it's controlled by them if he's telling the truth he doesn't like it because they can he can't control it and his people that he knows can't control it right plain physics over on entropy stream says if bill gates says that the world doesn't need more bitcoin the world needs bitcoin that's right i am completely with you that's how it works um if he doesn't like it i i love it the microsoft founder added i i do not think moving Money into a more digital form and getting transaction costs down, uh, I don't think moving money into a more digital form and getting transaction costs down, that's something the Gates Foundation does uh, in developing countries. But there, we do it so that you can reverse the transaction so we have total visibility of who's doing what. It's not about tax avoidance or illegal activities. But again, the the currency most used for illegal activity is the U.S. dollar, right? So this is just a bullshit argument. They, They constantly say that. And some is more transparent than others, depending on what currency you're dealing with. When it comes to uh, cryptocurrency, uh, anyway, back in 2018, they go through that. He was no fan of Bitcoin, blah blah blah. Now he claims he's he's more neutral. Uh, this is coming, and they can't do anything about this, right? That that's the big, uh, that's the big thing here, and that's important to keep in mind. So you know, when we talk about these things, uh, know that. Uh, They will continue to attack it if they think it's bad and and at certain points they will try to pull back or try to make sure that you know make it look like ah we don't care that much what's the saying when you when you're uh when you're strong appear weak when you're weak appear strong you know that they're always playing on that anyway check out this article here kind of interesting a decentralized internet how blockchain domains could help fight online censorship and this is not only true for domains right this is true for actual data packages uh it's true for a number of different things uh, that could come in the wake of something like this. Let me make this a bit bigger here. Um, as the coronavirus outbreak continues to spread, this is from actually from a year ago, but this still still makes sense, right? Uh, coronavirus outbreak continues to spread. Many Chinese mainlanders have limited ways to access information of what's going on. Uh, online censorship with, with China is common, but the government censoring technology has become so advanced that they're able to block information about one of the biggest news events in the world happening in their own country. Now, I think was kind of a gay off behind that, but that's... Put that to the side. You know that censorship happens in every kind of every kind of level, right? Anyway, they go through and talk about VPNs and stuff like that, I can use that to block and blah, blah, blah. Another solution they go on to though is to build a website using a decentralized domain that lives on the blockchain. Most people associated with blockchain, uh, associated with blockchain with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ripple, but the technology has many more capabilities. There are decentralized messaging services, marketplaces, and importantly, decentralized domain names which cannot be censored or taken down completely. A number of decentralized domain registrars have launched in the past five years, helping disseminate blockchain websites and help fight censorship. One such startup is San Francisco-based Unstoppable Domains, whose founder, Brad Cam, I don't know anything about these guys, and Matt Gould, Say they are committed to preserving free speech and building a censorship resistant internet through decentralized domains. So there's many other companies and there's many other such services popping up, including, uh, what was it one called, uh, uh, I think it's called edge now is one. And as I said, I was looking at, I don't know, not an endorsement in any way at all, but there's many of these like video coin was one, obviously Odyssey library is one because they have their their own cryptocurrency and stuff like that too. And we saw a couple of uh, kvetching articles about Odyssey and Library the other day, actually. They were like, "What? We, we suggest that they just will ban everybody. We tell them to ban, basically. Um, CNN has an article about uh, white supremacists are su- uh, circumventing censorship and, and shit like that. And they do not like blockchain and decentralized met- methods, right? Uh, so what is a decentralized domain? Centralized domain names are the old school domains of the internet. Extensions like .com, .net, .biz, and hundreds more. Uh, are what the majority of businesses and establishments use in their web address. They're controlled by the Internet Corporation for assignment, assigned names and numbers, and purchased through a domain registrar like GoDaddy or Bluehost. The content is then hosted by a service like Amazon Web Services. Uh, Given current global trends in both business and government, it's quite rational to want an alternative to rely on the benevolence of large uh, organizations of significant power. Because these sites are only hosted in one location, they can easily be taken down if, for example, a government authority believes the content violates a law or regulation. Over a one year period from 2018 to 2019, the US Immigration and Customer Enforcement Agency, along with Homeland Security, Europol, Interpol, and several police agencies seized 30,500 domain names in 20 different countries that were selling pirated movies and TV shows, counterfeit apparel, uh, or apparel and pharmaceuticals. But in countries with an authoritarian government, which of course now it's the EU, it's the US, it's all it's our countries. That's what's happening now. It's a coup. It's a takeover. They're banning everybody they don't like. They're, they're involved in this now. The West can look at what, Myanmar or something, or they can look to, you know, Belarus or so, or Russia, and complain and kvetch and whine and bullshit like that. Like you're you're involved in this. You're doing the same thing. It's incredible. Um, yeah, so uh, countries with authoritarian governments, website takedowns are much more common, and the content being censored goes beyond the selling of illegal products. So often, it's news coverage, right? So the stuff that we and others do in this sphere, they're now getting demonetized and banned and censored. We cover the news, we talk about events, we analyze what the hell's going on from our perspective, and that's not good enough. So they censor us and they ban us, right? So it's often as news coverage or, uh, that the government doesn't want to be, want the public to access, like information about the coronavirus in Hong Kong, blah blah blah. Same in the West now. Decentralized domains, on the other hand, include extensions like .crypto, .eth, uh, .bit, and more are stored in many different places, making them virtually impossible to be taken down or censored. Blockchain domains are valuable because they remove the need to trust a centralized authority like the uh, ICANN corporation we talked about earlier. Given the current global trends in both business and Uh, Government, according to Will Martino, CEO of the blockchain startup Cadena, Cadena, uh, it's quite rational to want an alternative to rely on the benevolence of large organizations of significant power. This is the idea behind unstoppable domains, which can be used for simple tasks, such as uh, paying someone using crypto so you don't need their address or phone number, but the bigger use case is to build a website that is censorship resistant, said Khan, who is also head of business development for the company. I've never heard of them. I've got to look the, look them up, see if there's any good. Um, Unstoppable Domains was born in Khan's desire to build something at the intersection of tech and policy. He started politics before he met co-founder Gould while working at his first startup, Talk, Talkable. Uh, a marketing platform. I always knew I would want to start on something related to free speech. He said the 2016 election was a catalyst that got unstoppable domains off the ground. Cam became increasingly aware that the current system in place were leading to a rise in online censorship, which was actively harming people. The rise of authoritarianism leads to data censorship, Cam said. Yeah, no shit. Uh, so they, it, they built their stuff on Ethereum, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of different currencies and stuff like that too. But anyway, here's a little bit more on the decentralized web, just a little bit more. Uh, but could the adoption of decentralized domains lead to decentralized internet? There's some companies working on this now. The internet will always have some centralization until the communications layer, i.e. the global fiber networks becomes decentralized, Martino said. The communications layer of the internet relies heavily on, on industry at the moment, so full decentralization doesn't fit with the current internet infrastructure. A truly decentralized internet would make it impossible to stop any packet of information from, from getting to anyone else. This re- required a mesh net of billions of wired wireless devices so that peer-to-peer connection could span across oceans. At the software level, this is doable, Martino said. However, at the hardware level, we would need a massive innovation in wireless communication technology. And that's, whether you like that or not, that's that's coming too. They're building that now. We've talked about that, right? The Internet of Things, You know, everything as a service, everything is being you know connected and stuff like that. If you can big, piggyback and send uh, in information or... Uh, packets of data that way? Why not, right? Uh, in other words, creating a truly decentralized internet, one in which no content could ever be fully blocked or censored, is a long way for now from reality, uh, if possible at all. I think it is possible. I think that it is coming because of all these devices. Decentralized domains doesn't mean a fully decentralized internet is in our future, but it does. Uh, but when it comes to decreasing censorship, they can uh, they can't hurt either, Martino said, which is true. So this is the way to go. Uh, this is the way that they want to do it, right? Um, just a quick, uh, another mention about this here. Big tech's freedom of speech purge pushes people to censorship resistant blockchain, social media, and there's a number of these out there now that's beginning to pop uh, pop up, which is very, very good. Um, we've talked about a couple of them and we're going to you know talk about some more of them too as they pop up. We could, there's some projects uh, that I'm looking at and whatever seems promising will kind of We'll promote and we'll push that, and we'll uh, tell people to get on it and try it out. And, and one of those ways, as we've said, of course, is uh, you know if, if BitShoot can get their block um, their live streaming get, uh, going, I think there's no end in sight for uh, for uh, you know for BitShoot. One of the problems seems to be if they're under UK UK regulation, uh, they have started uh, you know banning things which are illegal in some countries, and and although that's not good, and I hate seeing that. They're basically just trying to comply with the law. Because if they, if they, if they don't, then they, they will just yank the entire service, right? And will criminalize it. So I'm not saying that that's right, obviously. Uh, but if a, if a country says, oh, you got to ban that, that's illegal, whatever, then it's the law in that country that's wrong, not that the service is complying to the law. If they're not complying to the law, everybody will lose bitches, everybody. And is that right? No, definitely not. But that country needs to push back on those kinds of laws, and it's up to the people in that country to change those laws to make the politicians backtrack on that bullshit. Oh, this is hate speech, you know. Well, so what? You might not like it. Is it illegal, right? Black Philip over on Enterprise Stream uh, says, Henrik, there is a wild card with Bitcoin and crypto. Janet Yellen is very much against crypto and has said that it's dangerous. Other countries have banned crypto, so don't be surprised if Biden ends it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that we'll try at some point. Uh, I just don't think that it will be doable. I just don't think it will be and again that's why mainstream adoption is good that's why certain in a certain sense when you have mainstream adoption and even regulatory things coming in that is although that has some downsides there's there's net positive upsides to it because it'll be harder and harder to to stop it and if you have corporations going in you know the price will go up and stuff like that uh but i know that the feds hate it that the, they want to do their own digital currencies and all that stuff I just I just know that they're late in the game. They're t- they're too late. Uh, this has already been done. They're going to come in and go. Well, we have a digital do- dollar going on that now. If it loses all value, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? It's going to be out the window. Um, and people will go to another cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency or or something else that can hold value. So whether that's precious metals or you know land or whatever, something like real and tangible. Uh, I think another option to that is you know uh, Bitcoin, of course. But yeah, thank you, uh, Black Phillip. I Appreciate that. Some good input. Um, All right. Let me see here. Yeah, we did that one. Oh, and this is just to show you too of of how much uh, whining there is on on this too. This is from uh, uh, the the JC, the, what is it? The Jewish Chronicle, I think. Blockchain-based social media, protector of free speech or a haven for uncensored extremists, right? So just call everything extremism. Uh, It's all white supremacy. Uh, and if someone says something online that we don't like, let's call that extremism and white supremacy and maybe we can get them to ban it. New social media platforms would differ from traditional centralized databases like those used by Facebook and Twitter in that it would be prohibitively difficult to censor. Good. Anyway, they go in here, the kvetch, right? This week brought to the surprising news that raver, ravelry, ravelry, <laughs> A social network for knitters and needlework enthusiasts has banned posts in the U.S. uh, in support of U.S. banned posts in support of U.S. President Donald Trump. Ravelry, what the hell is that? Uh, Equating them with open white supremacy. Oh, there's some knitting club. I think I heard about this a while back. While Ravelry censorship will seem heavy-handed to some members of the Jewish community, exacerbated by the rising tide of anti-Semitism on social media, may well hope Facebook and Twitter followed suit. There you go. So they want to have more censorship. Depending on which side of the censorship debate you stand, blockchain will either represent an ideal solution or the greatest danger of all. Blockchain, the record-keeping technology, immutable ledgers, right, that's what it is, behind the Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin cryptocurrency, differs from traditional centralized databases in that information is publicly available to all along the chain. How is it? So, so, So when it truly is democratic and fair and equal, Equal access, equal ability to speak. These people hate it. They hate it. They've been able to basically grind our countries to a standstill, based on the fraudulent claims or ideas that we need to do certain things for the sake of fairness or for for making things right or what you know whatever excuses you think. Right, whether it's opening our borders and destroying our countries that way. Um, you know, selling out our financial institutions. You know, we've got to be fair, got to be equal. They've been able to censor and ban people based on this too. That's not fair or someone is hurt or whatever, right? And then when it truly becomes democratized, they don't like it. And the same thing with Robinhood and these financial uh, centralized uh, places where you can buy stocks and stuff like that, right? Anyway, we're not going to be too long on that. So basically we could tie this into what's happening right now Uh, on Capitol Hill, I guess. It was another hearing here. I uh, saw so Andy No tweeted about this. Uh, you know, I thought we could listen a little bit to it. There is a rise of domestic terrorism in America hearing. Started at 2 p.m. Eastern. So I guess this was here. I thought we could take a look at a little bit of one of these segments where uh, Andy No talks about this. I'm sure this would be great. This is uh, uh, Gerald Nadler that uh, was whole, uh, heading up this, as usual, uh, the judiciary talking about and warning how bad white people are and how much dangerous uh, it is so i haven't listened to this yet so this is uh we're, do- we're doing this live together here let's uh, let's check it out here uh
4: and hopefully the third vote and we can come back and not have any further interruption if there's a member that wants to leave for the floor now please would like to continue bit. now with uh, mr no for his five minutes mr no you're recognized for five minutes thank you very much
5: Thank you, Chairwoman Jackson Lee, Ranking Member Biggs, and members of the committee. Being a journalist from Portland, Oregon, I know domestic terrorism well. Since 2016, I've witnessed how violent extremists from Antifa and others have made political violence on the streets of my home city, Bernal. So
0: this is, I guess, the one guy that talked about the other side here, right?
5: Local politicians turned a blind eye to the violence because they believed the extremism was a justified response to the surprise election win of Donald Trump. Local fellow journalists did the same in downplaying Antifa's violent extremism. Today, I ask that you don't do the same. From 2016 through 2019.
0: 2019- yeah, it's true, Chet, Uh Lady 5G, but why not BLM? You're you're right, Andy. You forgot BLM. She's uh, she's us there. Why not? Right, bring it up. It, it's the same. It's just it's the same Marxist bullshit, right? That's that's what it is. Now it's it's the same uh, commie bullshit, um, violent tactics. And so I, I wish that they would uh, tie in BLM into this too, but they but they don't.
5: Portland and the surrounding areas suffered dozens of violent protests, mass street brawls, and riots that resulted in serious bodily injuries, arson attacks, and property destruction. By 2020, Antifa exploited the anger around the death of George Floyd and others to launch an unprecedented attempted insurrection in Portland. For more than 120 recurring days, Antifa carried out nightly riots targeting federal County and private property. They developed a riot apparatus that included streams of funding for accommodation, travel, riot mm. gear, and
0: weapons. The bailout program this
5: resulted in a murder, hundreds of arson attacks, mass injuries, and mass property destruction.
0: People were beaten to, to put death.
5: Put that into context for those here today. Similar but again,
0: but again, and I'm glad he's here to do this, right? Because it's the, the blatant contradiction. like incessant focus on white supremacists that says something naughty on the internet. That's that's where we're at right now. And then they continue to look the other way for this shit. It, it's absolutely incredible. They have tactics. They have people high, high up within the establishment, bail funds, all this bullshit, right? Literally like supporting terrorism and they just look the other way. So I'm, so I'm glad yes, there's things he's missing and all that stuff. Yes, obviously. But uh, if if it's what we have for now, that's I'll, I'll take it. At, at least this is brought up, right?
5: Actions that occurred at the Capitol Hill riot on the the 6th of January 2021 were repeated every night, months on end, in the Pacific Northwest. In Seattle, Antifa and far-left extremists seized six blocks of city territory that they said was autonomous. It resulted in six shootings and two murders over a period of three weeks.
0: Imagine a right-wing organization cornering off a, a section of a city. Uh, if, if turning on the police, people were mur- killed inside of this perimeter. You you would have the military there in like in two hours cleaning this up, right? And 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 just violently uh, uh, killing people who are part of this. Every single person would be doxxed and they would be in jail right now. That's what would have happened. But they they mollycoddle as the British say with these Antifa people, right? Because they're they're, they're pawns of the establishment. They're useful idiots. Uh, They're they're serving your purpose. That's why they let them go.
5: In July 2020, then DHS Deputy Secretary Ken Cuccinelli reported to Congress at a Senate hearing that
0: Is this loud enough, guys? Let me know if it's too low. I'll At
5: least 277 injuries have been inflicted on about 140 federal agents protecting the Mark O. Hatfield U.S. Courthouse in Portland. With my own eyes, I witnessed black-clad, masked militants setting fires to buildings occupied by people. The Antifa came armed with homemade IEDs, guns, and knives. They blinded their targets with powerful lasers before throwing projectiles like rocks, glass and frozen Thanks. Okay, bottles. Good. Thanks. some of them even brought electric power tools to cut apart the fencing that was set up to protect the courthouse. Andrew Faulkner, one of the few federal suspects indicted over rioting charges, allegedly possessed pipe bomb components and a machete at the time of his arrest. The following month, a self-described Antifa member hunted down a Trump supporter in downtown and shot him dead point blank before fleeing out of state and being killed by federal authorities the following week. He left behind a trail of posts on his social media indicating his desire for an armed conflict with the state, which he viewed as fascist. I'm encouraged today to see lawmakers discussing the important subject of domestic terrorism. But I'm concerned that our representatives are increasingly doing this through a partisan lens. This puts all Americans at risk. Those speaking before and after me can illuminate and educate us on far-right terrorism, a threat extremely well-tracked by government agencies, nonprofits, and journalists. Much less understood is the terrorism threat from the far left, particularly Antifa. Far-left terrorism isn't new in the US, it has a long history in the second half of the 20th century, where groups like the Weather Underground, the Black Liberation Army, and the May 19th Communist Organization carried out bombings, robberies, and jailbreaks in the name of anti-racism. Antifa are continuing that legacy today and use the cloak of anti-fascism to shield themselves from criticism and to fool well-meaning people into becoming allies. In September 2020, FBI Director Chris Wray told lawmakers that Antifa is real and that the FBI investigates the threat coming from violent anarchist extremists who identify with Antifa. We should heed his warnings the domestic terrorism is not partisan both the far left and the far right seek to delegitimize and destabilize the republic thank you and
0: check this out here guys it was actually my mom who sent this to me <clears throat> thank you uh thank you mom if you're watching um which is very interesting i, I did imagine that I ne- i'd never heard about it imagine my shock 1983 united states senate bombing have you guys heard of this? A bomb explosion at the United States Senate on November 7th, 1983, motivated by United States military involvement in Lebanon, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Six members of the radical left-wing resistance conspiracy were arrested in May 1988 and charged with the bombing as well as related bombings at Fort McNair and the Washington Navy Yard, which occurred on April 25th, 1983 and 1984. Uh, So it was a, a communist organization here that was doing this. Resistance conspiracy of the May 19th communist organization, right? Uh, Totally, totally fine. I've never heard of this. Never heard of this. Uh, And okay, sure, it's a couple of years ago. But so what? You hear about in these hearings, you hear about like lynchings still that happened like 200 years ago. And they're brought up as evidence of why America is a white supremacist country and shit like that. This is just a couple of decades ago, you know, Uh, three, almost three. Uh, but yeah, look at the look at the, the the damage here, right? The commies do this, don't hear anything about it. This has not been a a, a continued like a cycle of left wing violence. And back in '83, they again, imagine if there was right wingers doing this, right? Is it would have been brought up and used as evidence of a continuous threat in the U.S. and shit like that. They just look the other way. not '1983 United States bombing. I mean, I I don't know, I think it's incredible uh, that they just cover for it in this way.
5: And I look forward
0: to your questions. Okay, he ends his testimony there. Uh, Um, But yeah,
5: thank you so very.
0: And I have to look at the whole thing. This is like four or five hours, I think, or something like that. But most of them are going to be left-wing, left-leaning people. Obviously, Uh, there was one portion. I think. uh, See if this if Andy is asked a little bit more here. Is it right after? Let me just see if I can find that. There's one portion where uh, Corey Bush was the lady who's. uh, who claimed she was a victim of being attacked by? uh, uh who was it again? Uh, she claimed she was attacked by um, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene, right? Because the QAnon thing and all that stuff. And it turns out it was Corey Bush doing it. Uh, but she goes off and uh, like attacks the post office guy. The joy was appointed by Trump just because it was there's too many white people uh, that's a, a part of the board, I think, or something of the U.S. Post. We'll, we'll look at that in a moment. It's incre- the anti-whiteness is just like in epidemic is just out of control state sanctioned media sanctioned the hate open hatred of white people is just like out of control right now uh, and and it's totally fine totally fine anyway here's a little bit more abandoned let's see what he was asked a little bit and then we'll move Remember,
4: on Member, i went over 50 seconds uh, you have that opportunity and i yield back i yield to uh the ranking member mr biggs
1: thank you madam chair mr no two of the witnesses testifying today did not even mention antifa in their written testimony which is shocking, actually, given the amount of violence that Antifa has wrought over the past several years. Mr. No, if we don't talk about Antifa, is Antifa going away?
5: No, they're not going away. Since the uh, election night, for example, in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, where I'm from, the National Guard was activated by the governor because dozens or actually more than 100 mass militants uh, marauded through downtown, destroying property, they vandalized a church that provides charity services uh, on inauguration day in Portland um, to protest the inauguration of Biden, Antifa destroyed the headquarters of the Democrat Party. So this perception that they only attacked um, things on the right is wrong. They attack anything that they view as American, so that includes uh, democratic uh, democratic institutions buildings that represent the rule of law um and
1: uh I, yeah okay so mr no uh one of your co-panelists has said of antifa that quote though often and it's viola- still
0: and it's okay i haven't heard everything that his entire you know all the things he said or whatever but it's still i feel I, there's no one they do this for a reason too i think but there's no one that, that truly can like they're connecting the dots, they're showing everything, that are putting this in context in terms of what, what the establishment is letting these people get away with. Right? It, it's not hammered. Every time they talk about what right-wing extremism or white supremacists, there's this like this, you know, continuous, like, you know, the, the the murderous events on this day and stuff. And it's always like they they have a specific language. They have this legalese way of presenting it and weaving things together. A lot of hearsay and anecdotes, and allegedly, or this, or could be linked to, like that kind of stuff. They're they're jumbling things together to make it seem that it's this huge problematic thing that they're dealing with, but it's not even like it's you, know, you can't even compare to uh, to the left wing extremism, which is uh, allowed to just have free reigns uh, all over the West. Right now, so, uh, let's listen a little bit more to this, and we'll move on. They do
1: not yet use terrorist tactics or acts. Close quote. Based on what you've seen firsthand, do you agree with that statement? Um,
5: so I think the, the issue with the lack of understanding of Antifa's violence comes from the fact that there's not a lot of mainstream media coverage of it. A lot of people, yeah. lawmakers in DC, uh, will get that, their, uh, media coverage from the New York Times or Washington Post. And sometimes those, publications- they're, part,
0: they're part of it. It's the same network they're covering for them. This is what i'm feeling that people don't understand like they're they they have bail funds for these people after they have committed terrorism they're, they're they're used as a as a force to be there to terrorize people on the ground level on the street level so you won't have any nationalistic conservative movements gaining momentum and ground on the on the ground level right to protect people it's there as an intimidation force uh all these kinds of things and it's ties to the highest levels right Judges are tied to it. all of these things have been coming out. And so many people are involved in this. Bankers, are some, the BLM movements are supported by BlackRock and and Goldman Sachs, for Christ's sake. They're given hundreds of millions uh, uh, f- to fulfill their agendas, the, the, their commie anti-white commie agendas, right?
5: Just with some parachute journalists into the Pacific Northwest. But by and large, they don't have somebody on the ground every day as riots were breaking out, let's say, in Portland or when Chaz... Uh, the Autonomous Zone in Seattle, and this is areas where people were bringing with them homemade explosives in their backpacks and distributing them to others to throw at the federal courthouse, Incredible. uh, bringing in electric tools to cut into the fence so that they could set the building on fire. They did set the exterior on fire multiple times, and it's not just law enforcement that's inside. Uh, there's also civilian people who are working as staff who've had to flee for their yeah. lives, as they did at the Justice Center. So I think these acts, um, because they're targeted on um, facilities that ha- have civilians inside, I think, based on my understanding of the laws, like these do count as terrorist acts. Yeah, but they're not being reported as such or perceived as such. Right, but it's not just, reasons.
0: but it's not, yeah, political reason. But it's not just the media. Um... Andy, it's 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 people inside of the system, right? That that, that are sanction this, uh, <laughs> that want this to be the case, right? Uh, Lone Star Texan over Enterprise Stream says, uh, no fan, of, not a fan of Andy, but uh, good on him. Sucks he doesn't bring up a BLM too, though. Absolutely, I wish he would have done that. That's been a, I mean, over the summer that was certainly one of the biggest problems. Obviously, right? It was Antifa was even a secondhand player in that. It was primarily driven by BLM. And even this, it's a, look at this here. I think this is from this hearing. I could be wrong. Maybe it's from another one. I, I'm not sure if Louis DeJoy was there uh, at the hearing of, of, of on on rise of domestic terrorism in America. So this has to be from a different one. But I saw that this same one, uh, Corey Bush, was speaking. Uh, let me see. Was it in there? Is that DeJoy? No, that's no, not him. Uh, she was speaking and listen to this here, what she's saying to the postmaster DeJoy, and look right behind her here too. Let me pause. Let me Do you pause see right it as a problem that the let me stop there. Look at it right behind her there too. Black Lives Matter. Right behind her, to her to her left, right. This is a terrorist organization. This is an organization that have murdered people. It's vehemently anti-white. It's communistic. It want to push you know anti-family values. They would have disrupt the nuclear family. All this kind of stuff. It's economically they want communism. It's anti-white. It's been violent. It's, it's has murdered people. But it's Marjorie Taylor Greene because she believes some wacky things that are the big problem, not these kinds of wackos, right? But listen to what she says here, too. Again, the anti-whiteness is sanctioned. It's encouraged. Listen to this.
4: Do you see it as a problem that the Board of Governors of the United States Postal Service looks like a millionaire white boys club? (laughs) Um,
2: What I would say is that the, uh, the, 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 the Postal Service's not having a full board uh is not enabling it to reach its full uh breadth of impact and i welcome that
0: and <laughs> i welcome that okay all right all right he's not going to solve any issues anytime soon that guy <clears throat> not not that i have any <laughs> i never had any it was a point about trump that guy DeJoy. Uh, so obviously it's just like, what are you even talking about? Like, why are you attacking white people? What's wrong with that? It's basically, that can't be any, if there's too many white people, that's now a sin. It's a cardinal sin. God, it's just, it's just so fucking frustrating because it's like, it just never ends with these people. Just total like black power, like, every day, black power, uh, fuck whitey. And it's like, oh my God, there's such uh, such wonderful people, such saints. They're working for for racial and social justice. And then, of course, uh, uh, not at all uh, coincidentally and timed well uh, in relation to what's happening in, uh, in the U.S., uh, the uh, full-on commie uh, G- uh, Secretary-General Antonio Guterres, who headed up Socialist International, uh, and before that he headed up the Socialist Party uh, in Portugal, who now heads up the United Nations, came out and said that white supremacy is a uh, transnational threat. Yeah. United States Secretary General Antonio Guterres warned on Monday that white supremacy and neo-Nazi movements are becoming a transnational threat and have exploited the coronavirus pandemic to boost their support. Wait a minute. So basically, if you talk about the coronavirus, if you talk about the the, the pandemic, the scam, uh, like they're doing now on MSNBC, they they just call you openly like you're a white supremacist. If you question the coronavirus, you're a white supremacist. That that's that's the correlation now. That's all it takes. So he's saying if you're critical of the coronavirus, that means you're a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist, which means you're exploiting the pandemic. And there, ergo, you are now because you're talking about things that we don't like. You're you're becoming the biggest transnational threat that we have right now to look at. <laughs> It's just—it's amazing. Let's listen here. Wonderful, wonderful testimony here from Antonio Guterres. We
6: must also step up the fight against resurgent neo-Nazism, white supremacy, and racially and ethnically motivated terrorism. The danger of these hate-driven oh, so you, movements you're, you're, is by. Oh, you're talking—you're talking about
0: like the anti-whiteness we see. I—I I agree. I agree, Antonio. It should be taken down. Um, it should be illegal to discriminate people based on their race. Can we just can we can we just have that? Can we just have that as an enforcement, and so that this anti-white hatred can stop and finally be made illegal? Then, I don't care what people say or whatever. That's fine. I don't give a shit. But that's not what's happening now. People are banned for standing up for themselves, for the race that they belong to, for their skin color. I'm just saying, I refuse to hate myself because I'm white. Up, so, oh, that's it. White supremacists to the bunker with you to re-education camp. Now, you're a terrorist, you're part of the biggest problem that we have, right? So stop all the BLM bullshit and stop all this uh, incessant hatred of, of, of white people solely based on on, on racial policies, right? I, I agree, just stop it. Just stop it then. I uphold that and we're good to go. No, it, but it's white people just standing up for themselves saying, you know what, I wish our kids will have a future too. that they won't, in fact, be discriminated against based on, this, on the color of their skin, right? Nope
6: resurgent neo-nazism white supremacy and racially and ethnically motivated terrorism the danger of these hate-driven movements is growing by the day let us call them what they are white supremacy and neo-nazi movements are more than domestic terror threats they are becoming a transnational threat (sighs) these and other groups have exploited the pandemic to boost their ranks through social polarization and political and cultural manipulation today
0: it's just, it's such fucking lies. It's unbelievable how they're linking this together, though. And they do it with a straight face. It's incredible how, how they have managed to, from Q people to people who just don't wear a mask, its they're all just calling them domestic terrorists now and white supremacists. And it's just, it just will never stop. There's nowhere on this globe that these people will be able to escape to if you if you say the wrong things on the internet. It, it's incredible. These
6: extremist movements represent the number one internal security threat in several countries. Yeah. Individuals and groups are engaged in a feeding frenzy of hate, fundraising, <laughs> recruiting, and communicating online both at home and overseas, traveling internationally.
0: The, the, the delivery there is beautiful, though. A f- <laughs>
6: feeding frenzy. countries... Individuals and groups are engaged in a feeding frenzy of (laughs) eight, fundraising, recruiting, and communicating online, both at home and overseas, traveling internationally to train together and network their hateful ideologies.
0: What? Where are these people? Part often,
6: these eight groups are cheered on by people in positions of responsibility in ways that were considered unimaginable not long ago we need global coordination can you
0: give any examples can you be slightly what are you ta- what exactly are you talking about what groups are you talking about we have open left-wing anti-white violence occurring in many Western countries and now that it's this constant uh you know diversion tactic so uh, look over here here's the, look here here's the problem and also they're talking about the pandemic and that should be illegal we need to target them internationally
6: you see that unimaginable not long ago. We need global coordinated action to defeat this grave and growing danger.
0: There we go. That's the right at the end. Point out the problem, offer the solution, right? Problem, people upset, offer the solution. What's the solution? More global homo. Globalist cooperation to exterminate these people.
6: In ways that were considered unimaginable not long ago. We need global, coordinated action to defeat these grave and growing dangers.
0: Yeah, grave and growing dangers. That's right. If you're talking about the pandemic, holy shit. So this is the—I mean, just—he's a communist. He's a full-on communist, right? He's heading up the United Nations. If you don't know about this guy, look at him up. Just, just uh, search him up on the internet and look at his history and all the stuff, right? Uh, this is what they're worrying about. And also, at the same time, I actually forgot this. Let me, let me play this clip here. So the in in Oregon. Uh, the district attorney there there was a clip that was out talking about how he's dropped charges against i think it's specifically against antifa people i thought we could take a look at that i should have played that right after andy no but this is a good time to do it too to juxtapose that it's like you have actual people committing actual crime actually being hateful actually engaging in terrorism nothing is being done you have people that engage in distribution of information offering different viewpoints and organizing to make, to ensure that this insane system doesn't just like turn on them in in, in violence, they're the terrorists, they need to be exterminated, they need need to be dealt with by like transnational organizations that target and go after these people. Anyway, here's uh, what the uh, district attorney in Oregon said regarding, uh, I think specifically Antifa. Uh, Listen to this here.
7: There's nothing rehabilitative about being cut off from society. In fact it's harmful. Research consistently shows that ties Mike Schmidt is his name, by the way. to family and community are protective factors in terms of decreasing the likelihood of future criminal conduct. And there's even research that specifically suggests that voting reduces recidivism. I submit that there are zero public safety justifications for preventing someone from voting. So then what's the motivation? We could and should discuss racist motivations and systems that were set up with the purpose to subjugate and oppress. And while that's true, I think what it really says to the person who's incarcerated is, you aren't one of us. Stripping someone of a right that others have fought and died for sends the message that you are less than, you aren't worthy. People make mistakes, sometimes horrible and even unforgivable mistakes. But what does it say about us as a society to dehumanize our fellow human beings? I want to live in a place that holds people accountable, protects public safety, and treats everybody with dignity and humanity, no matter what you have done in your life. Oh, good, yeah, so apply that to people who said the wrong things online then. That is a hopeful society. And restoring the right to vote to those who are incarcerated is at its core a gesture of hope. It gives people the right to dream, to participate, and to care. Oh, yeah. And as my friend Senator Jackie Winters used to say, it'll make people a good future neighbor.
0: Okay, so... Mike was responsible for dropping more than 90% of the charges for over 1,000 leftist agitators that were arrested during the riots in Portland. I think this is the last uh, uh, last summer here, right? So this is the kind of district attorney uh, that you have in Oregon, right? Uh, who just talked about fairness and all this stuff. And obviously this is in direct relation to also making sure that people who actually did commit crimes and all this stuff can, can just go right back to voting again, by the way. And, and have them inclusive in society because it, there's no good ways of showing being punitive uh, there shouldn't be. There should be no consequences for you committing illegal activity, right? And then again, as we said, just flip that over and just look at how they treat people who say the wrong things, right? All right. So we did that. Uh, let's go over now again to talk more about the the just the insane anti-white climate that we live under, right? And talk about the, another uh, state over here in the northwest, Washington State. Uh, there was an official there. Uh, she was the. Uh, She is part of the equity task force. I was uh, appointed by Governor Jay Inslee in uh, Washington state, who had a little uh, uh, diatribe here, where she went on and on and talking about how white people, Europeans, are uh, basically, they're obsessed with time and agendas and to-do lists. And they have all these complicated, difficult ways of doing things. And basically, that's a a problem, right? Uh, Check out this uh, clip here. Of what she uh, just uh, could just sit and uh, talk about regarding white people. Listen to
1: most white people and Europeans are about agendas and to do lists and tasks and oh we have thirty minutes for this and oh time to move on, where many people of color, maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. In South Africa, if we were meeting right here, two thirty-five, if Craig Bill walked in right now in South Africa, what would happen is they would stop. Welcome him. How was your weekend?
0: You had plans for Thanksgiving and would bring him well so South Africa is a great role model by the way on so many levels isn't it? up to speed on what he missed
2: if we
1: were in South-, South Africa if somebody if Craig Bill walked in right now here in Tumwater Washington we say hello uh, this uh, and maybe somebody would well our chairs are gracious so you all would let him know here we are but it's
0: basically this is where we are so- Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Let me go back here. With that. Uh,
1: I, I do want to ask for clarity. We are still going to move forward with the idea of a, an advisory board. Is that true, committee?
0: Oh, the, a passive uh, a passive, or just a, a full on aggression here uh, by some white person who's like, OK, are we doing this? Are we are we are we doing this on time? Holy smokes. She's being shot down right away. What a bigot, huh?
1: OK, I just want to double check. So I think that's really important. <laughs>
0: Well, she's we right, obviously. But. Yeah,
3: except, except... I just...
0: This sounds so much like... What a, what a circus. Removing health disparities by race slash ethnicity slash gender. Discussion and report revision. Uh, again, this is uh, in, in Washington state that had a discussion. And during this meeting, let, let's just ramp, uh, hearken, rather, or uh, charge white people for being obsessed about time, being on time, having to-do lists... That's the problem? White people having to-do lists and being on time and, and allotting 30 minutes for something? And we should do things like they are in South Africa? They, yeah, the, it, When I say that the goal of critical race theory is to move the United States in the direction of South Africa, I mean that literally, it's an aspirational goal. Here's a re- receipt from Inslee's Equity Task Force in Washington last year um talking about how we should do what the, we should do what they do in South Africa. Dr. Johnson was talking about just a minute ago about through this work the
1: office of equity should model practices in decolonizing boards and other government structures by identifying and dismantling culture-bound rules and decorum, time requirement, education and what we call expertise.
0: That should be de- those items should be decolonized, yeah. That's completely rais- completely reasonable, right? Uh, Plain physics. Over on Enterprise Stream says, "Great to hear that South Africa celebrates Thanksgiving. Do they? I didn't know that they that they did. Uh, fascinating. I, I didn't know South Africa. All the people that are trying to uh, leave from there, go back to European countries. They can't and shit like that. It, it's a horrible situation. We've talked about them many times. <clears throat> Although it's it's uh, good that they do uh, Thanksgiving. I guess. Thank you, Plain Physics. I Appreciate that. Shaz Roberto." says, uh, I'm in Minneapolis and right after Biden secured the election blacks have been stealing cars at gunpoint or at Minneapolis and they haven't uh, been and they haven't stopped since you can even see it live on YouTube on live on patrol the benefits of diversity never ends I'm not I'm not even seen that I'm sure it's happening obviously ever, ever since George Floyd that's that's been happening right I'm not surprised but yeah the the diversification continues it's a wonderful thing. Uh, absolutely, it's going to be wonderful for white people here in the future. Now this reminds me of going back to, uh, thank you by the way, uh, Chaz, I appreciate that, Chaz Roberto. Uh, going back to this um, this one that we reported on back in, it was last summer really when this came out. It was a National Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, we're targeting certain things, whiteness, right, remember? Certain things were, basically the, these people are, these uh, aspects rather, these properties are bad because they come from white, white culture. Uh, rugged individualism the individual is the primary unit self-reliance independence and autonomy highly valued plus rewarded these are all these are bad things that they lived here uh, li- yeah lift out here individuals assume to be in control of their environment you get what you deserve yeah you, you have any kind of control accountability or responsibility that's bad family structure this is bad. aspects of white culture in the United States this this is bad again the nuclear family Father, mother, two, three children is the ideal social unit. Husband is breadwinner and head of the household. Wife is homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Children should have their own rooms, be independent. Emphasis on the scientific method within white culture. Objective, rational, linear thinking. That's bad now. Cause and effect, relationships. Quantitative emphasis. History. Based on Northern European immigrants' experience in the United States, Heavy focus on the British Empire, the primary West primary primacy rather of Western Greek, Roman, and Judeo-Christian tradition. That's more Odeo-Christian tradition, if we should be honest. But whatever. Protestant work ethic. Hard, uh, hard work is the key to success. Work before play. If you don't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. Continues here. Religion. Christianity is the norm. Anything other than Judeo-Christian traditions for no tolerance or for deviations from single God concept. status, power, and authority, wealth equals worth. Your job is who you are, respect authority, heavy value on ownership of goods, space, property, Uh, under future orientation. They said here, planning for the future is now a bad, it's a white trait, right? Delayed gratification, (laughs) does you have instant gratification? That's, That's a superior method now. Progress is always best, tomorrow will be better. Time, follow rigid time schedules. Time viewed as a commodity. That's why I went back to this here, because this woman here is a direct out result of the kind of stuff that was released by the uh, was again the the uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture last year. Aesthetics based on European culture, steak and potatoes, bland is best, bland is best. Woman's beauty based on blonde, thin Barbie. Man's attractiveness based on economic status, power, intellect, holidays based on Christian blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, holidays based on white history and male leaders. Justice based on English common law. Well, guess what? That's the one that uh, freed the slaves, wasn't it? That's bad. Now then, I guess protect property and entitlements. Competition. It just goes on and on and on. Whiteness. This is these are white culture traits. That's bad. So this was. Some Aspects and Assumptions of White Culture in the United States by Judith H. Katz, 1990. This is back in 1990 that this list was uh, proposed, I, I would assume, from Katz. Now it's in the forefront. Now it's just like museum, federal institutions are pushing this now, government are talking about this, white people. What's this idea that white people need to be on time? It's fascism. It's racism. It's a huge problem. We need to do away with it, in fact. All right. It's just crazy. Plain Physics uh, says, I was being sarcastic. haha. Ha, that woman thought, uh, that woman, though, used it as an example. Did she say Thanksgiving? I didn't even, okay, sorry, I didn't catch that. Great year of South Africa celebrates Thanksgiving. I didn't even catch that. Sorry about that. That's my bad. All right, thanks, uh, Plain Physics, for uh, for, <laughs> for clarifying that. <clears throat> yeah, because I, don't, I didn't think they did, right? Well, maybe they do. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't, right? Um, I know Canada does. Would it, be, would it have been any, well, I guess it would be a Thanksgiving, yeah, I get your point. It would be a Thanksgiving for, what was the, the Snake River, right? That was the only time uh, the the whites, the Dutch settlers in South Africa actually encountered a different tribe. Until, of course, they built up the whole country. Uh, then everyone watered in, but uh, it, was, it wasn't it was any Thanksgiving at that point, I guess. Huh? It, it, now it's just, uh, divert, uh, you know, uh, sharing, uh, sharing your land, diversity, open your arms to diversity. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, for uh, for the South Africans, right? I mean, the 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 blacks living in that region that, that they tell us uh, they didn't have to open their arms to diversity uh, or or let people in. Anyway, thank you. Uh, thank you, playing physics. Let's uh, switch over to this one here. I wanted to talk about the uh, cannibal story too, a little bit too. A couple of more things just on uh, COVID before we wrap things up here too. We did start a bit late though, so I'll go go a little bit later. Uh, but it, this is good stuff, right? This is in the name of, of social justice, criminal justice reform, and all those kinds of things. Uh, the left has had a, a continuous dialogue of trying to just say, open up uh, the prisons. Uh, even if you've committed violent crimes or you pe- you're molesting kids or something like that, that's all bad. Pri- this pri- the idea of prisons is a white supremacist you know kind of a, a structure and it needs to be dismantled, taken away. So now they're starting to release prisoners early because it's fair. So it turns out here that it was a a cannibal, 41 years old, that cut his neighbor's heart out and cooked it with potatoes to feed his family before he ended up stabbing his uncle and four-year-old girl to death. Lawrence Anderson, 42, was charged with three counts of murder on Tuesday. He allegedly confessed to stabbing his neighbor Andrea Lynn Blankenship to death at her home in Chick's Chickshaw, Chickshaw, Chick, Chickshaw. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Chickshaw, I think it is, Uh, Oklahoma. On February 9th, so fairly recently here, he then went back into his house and stabbed three people, his uncle, his aunt, his granddaughter, the same day. Totally not insane. The uncle, 67 years old, Leon Pai, and the four-year-old, Kazo Yates, both died. In an interview with investigators, Anderson revealed the gruesome final meal he fed his family after murdering Blankenship. He cooked the heart with potatoes to feed to his family to release the demons. An OSBI agent wrote in a court filing. The triple murder sparked outrage after it emerged that Anderson had just been released from prison early in January. It's, he had been released early. So this is what we're doing to push back against wh- the white supremacist prison system. A repeat felon has confessed to killing his neighbor, cutting out the heart and feeding it to his family. Uh, here's the blanket ship here. Is there a video on this let me see two days ago four-year-old chaos and her grandpa 67-year-old lee i'm sorry was her name chaos i thought it was like kazo or something chaos interesting okay left just shattered two days ago four-year-old chaos and her grandpa 67-year-old leon
1: pie were found murdered inside their home chaos's grandmother also injured in the attack and investigators say it was by their own family member this man 42-year-old Lawrence Paul Anderson, who had just been released from prison. Tonight, we're hearing more from Chaos's grieving parents, mourning the loss of not
2: only their little girl, but also a father and a cousin. News 4's Austin Brissett with the story.
4: Just two days removed from an absolute tragedy in Chickasha on Tuesday night. Both parents tell me that they're trying to stay strong after two people whose lives are beyond near and dear to them were taken away all by another family member.
1: Tell your kids you love them. Do everything with them that you possibly can because you never know where they might be taken away from you.
4: Two Chickasha parents left in shambles just two days after a brutal stabbing in this Chickasha home. Both their four-year-old daughter Chaos and her 67-year-old grandfather, Leon Pai, murdered.
3: For me right now, it's just like random bursts of, you know, sorrow, like complete sadness that Ain't no sleep. Overtakes you. My little soul is broken.
4: Baby. We're both guilty. Chaos's dad, Taranzo Pie, and mom, Tasha Yates, saying they dropped her off at Taranzo's parents' home to run errands. Later that night, investigators say 42 year old <laughs> Lawrence Anderson, Taranzo's cousin, attacked the family with a knife. Ruined he ruined
1: everything. He, he ruined my whole life
4: investigators still trying to find out why and what all took place, adding that it all started with a 911 call, but the caller hung up. Police tracing the call, arriving on scene, hearing cries for help and forcing their way inside.
3: Leon and right. his four-year-old granddaughter were severely wounded. Let me see, do
0: they say anything in this about the eating of the heart and stabbing the neighbor and, and killing her first? Do they even say anything about that in there? In the video, I mean... Um yeah, in an interview with investigators, Anderson revealed a gruesome final mead, m- meal he fed his family after murdering Blankenship. He cooked the heart with potatoes to feed to his family to release the demons, and OSBI agent Totally not insane. Totally, needs this needs to be part of the prison reform system here. Just let them all out, right? All right, anyway, you get the idea. Holy shit, it just goes on and on with this. Oh, my God. Yeah, he asked neighbors for onions. Can I come in? Can I? Can I come in? <clears throat> uh, so with the the, the fig tau movement continues, folks. Fig folks going their own way. Uh, it seems to be where things are. Uh, the trends are are going in this direction. We'll we'll have to see, right? We have to see where uh, where this go. But uh, it seems more likely that more and more folks are going to go their own way. And of course, freedom of association. I'm all for that. I really uh, think that's the best way. Uh, if you want to associate with someone, do. If you don't want to associate with others, definitely do. Uh, the, you know, the left have kind of now drifted into this territory where they're yet again kind of uh, proposing, you know, racial segregation. But basically where it's going, it's not It's not like the old days that they claim that we did things where, you know, it was like whites here and non-whites over there. Uh, but now it's a re- reversal of that one, right? So white spaces can't exist. There's not, no such thing. White spaces are for everybody, but then every other race can have their unique individual spaces, right? That's where things are going. Uh, but some people go f- go further, right? They um, actually want to want to leave the country uh, altogether. Stevie Wonder tells Oprah Winfrey that he is permanently moving to Ghana to protect his grandchildren from injustice. <clears> oh, <throat> well, it's, it's I mean I, res- that's, I respect that, right? That, that's that's a good. If it's so horrible in America. Then there are countries uh, still at this point, it hasn't all been jumbled up yet, uh, that are largely comprised of people just like... It. White people don't have those countries now, though. Uh, there is no white countries left for just for us, right? But there are sub-Saharan African countries, there are Asian countries, to a certain extent even some Latin American countries, although they're a little bit more mixed and blended because of everything that took place there. <clears throat> I don't want to see my children's children children have to say, oh, please, like me. Please respect me. What kind of life is that? The 25-time year time, time Grammy winner told the host. Stevie Wonder is heading to West Africa for a profound reason. During a recent interview with Oprah Winfrey, uh, the Grammy Award winner 70 opened up about his future plans to live in Ghana indefinitely as part of his effort to shield his lineage of grandchildren and great-grandchildren from racial injustice in the U.S., I want to see this nation smile again, he told Oprah 67. I want to see it before I leave to travel to move to Ghana because I'm going to do that. When asked if he plans to relocate permanently, the star replied, I am. Because I don't want to see my grandchildren's children. Children have to say, oh, please like me, blah, blah, blah. What kind of life is that? Is there, let me listen. Is Is this the interview here? Let me see. Um. The star's decision may be influenced by a number of reasons, but it is often said that living in a majority black region give, gives black individuals a sense of safety, confidence, liberation, and pride. But, but not for whites, though, because we can't have any of those things. White pride is wrong. Black pride is right. Black liberation is right. White liberation is wrong. White confidence is wrong. Black confidence is right. White safety is wrong. Black safety is right. You get the idea. Many argue that within the U.S., attending HBCUs, Historically, black colleges and universities give American black students the same feelings. So good, have your own spaces. Now allow white people to have their spaces too. That's that's all. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Let us have our own. You can have your own. Why does, why do our spaces have to be for everyone? And everyone else can have their um, distinct places, right, or spaces. Wonder Stevie Wonder has been considering moving to Ghana since the since early as 1994, per the Orlando Sentinel. At the time, the "I Just Called to Say I Love You" hitmaker told a Washington gathering of the of the International Association of African American Music that he'd fallen in love with the country and there's more of a sense of community there. Is that where this clip is from? So I didn't have time to listen to this beforehand. Let's see, or is it just a song? Iota rewriting history, just as we have. For the last
2: 400 years, without truth, on this day.
0: All right, I don't know what that is. It's from his Twitter. I thought it was the. <laughs> I thought it was the interview. Is this? Let me see here. Uh, in a recent interview, let me see if uh, if there's a video here. Okay, let's see. Uh,
2: I promise you, if you do the right thing, I'll give you this song. I'll give it to you. You can have it. Because i want to see this nation smile again oh and i want to see it before i leave to travel to move to ghana because i'm going to do that you're going to move permanently to ghana i am you are why because i i, I don't want to see my <clears throat> children's children's children have to say oh please like me please please respect me please know that i'm
6: important please value me what kind of? Ch-
0: well, I mean, <clears throat> but it's whites that are being taken down like this now. Right now, black culture is celebrated. It's every institution on the planet is celebrating that. It's their own spaces, black stories, and every media outlet. The big banks are behind BLM. All this kind of stuff. It's white people that are treated like shit, like globally. Right? It's whites that don't have any opportunities. They're being banned and censored. We're being blocked if we if we stand up for ourselves. Right? Um, but it's great go go ahead do it but i thought uh i i thought stevie wonder couldn't see uh race and skin color he, does he see he sees skin color then i would assume i thought he was uh i thought he was blind to those things uh, but i guess not all right so basically this ties into another story we'll talk about here too Uh, Regarding divorcing, uh, amicable divorce, uh, there there are some trends that's leading in this direction. Nearly a third of Americans want to break up the United States into like-minded countries. It's a poll here. Uh, Half of Republicans in the South are ready to secede. (laughs) Holy shit, that's great. No, it's great. I think that's the only way. I I sincerely think that's the only way. If there want to be some multicultural country... Uh, or two, that do, want to do their thing, okay, go ahead, do that. You know, there's many many countries now that, that, that can do that. But if the people truly could make a decision and vote for these kinds of things, I think mo- majority would have said, you know what, multiculturalism has played it out. Its, it's, it's role It's obviously not working. It's not good. It's just creating all this uh, anger, hostility, hatred, violence, all these kinds of things. Everyone is blaming everyone else all the time for all the racism and all the all the bullshit, right? So let's just secede. Let's separate. Let's break up and go back to something the way they were. These nations, they can trade, they can be friends, they can have tourism, they can go and visit, but you don't have to force people together and pry open the border to import millions of people. Uh, and then do like, you know, you know, diversity uh, housing in, in areas that are too white and stuff like that, right? Anyway, let me read a little bit from this here. Um, the divide between Americans seem to be widening in recent years and the political schism doesn't appear to be narrowing anytime soon. The major partisan divide in the country has gotten to a point where many Americans have contempt, uh, completed a national divorce because they believe there are far too many ideological differences to bridge the line of de- uh, demarcation. And I'd say racial differences too, by the way. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that that's part of it. You, it depends on those who are asked, obviously, do they put ideology first and race first. If you ask Republicans, they're probably, no, 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 you can't see, can't talk about race, can't see race, right? But that might be what's informing them on the back end, possibly. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's definitely part of it, definitely in this anti-white climate, right? An eye-opening poll find that a shocking percentage of Americans are in favor of the, of the dissolution of the U.S. According to a new Bright Line Watch survey, nearly a third of Americans want to break up the United States, and create smaller, like-minded countries? Between January 28th and February 8th, uh, the 2,700 poll participant were asked the following. Some people say the division within our country have grown so deep that we would be better off dividing into more like-minded, like-minded regions that would govern themselves separately. Do you support or oppose the idea that the United States divide into more than one nation? The survey found that 29%, 10% strongly and 90% somewhat of Americans were in favor of the dissolution of the US into like-minded regions. There were no noticeable differences based on political party lines and geography. Surprisingly, 37% of independents were most inclined for the country to go its separate ways. Really interesting. There are more than 35% of Republicans who want to secede followed by 21% of Democrats who wanted their own country of like-minded individuals. Now keep in mind the far left and the Democrats and stuff—they're currently winning the culture war. It's their ideas that are advancing. Uh, conservative right-wing policies are on the are, are, are fleeing. They're on the back burner. They're uh, you know uh, losing ground basically, right? Maybe not long term. The, the, the trends are there for it, but as you know, right intermediate right now. And part of their ideology is also is also that they take pleasure out of making sure that people they don't like or people they hate can't do the things that they wanna do, right? But part of the ideology is to control others. While generally Republicans, conservatives, right-wingers are just like, just let me do my thing, leave me alone. And in many cases that doesn't work as well either, obviously as we can see, or there's only so far that you can retreat because eventually there's no, there's no, you lose all your ground, right? So at some point you just have to stand up for yourself and say, no, and say, this is ours. You, you're not gonna change this, right? Uh, but that's interesting, though it's still twenty-one percent of Democrats. So it's still fairly high, I'd say, because I would assume most of them would be like, nope, we're not leaving these people alone. Uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta screw up their shit. Rightline Watch proposed to divide the U.S. into five regional unions based on geography and political affiliation. Okay, let's see here: Pacific, California, Washington, Oregon, Hawaii, and Alaska. And there's a mountain one: Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico. I'd say exclude uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, and even Colorado from that, and I'm and, and I'm with you. It's just the Greater Idaho uh, movement. <laughs> uh, uh, that's 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 good enough. Then you have the South, big region there: Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. I think these are too. It's too big, right? It's a good start. And there's the Heartland: Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, Illinois, and Indiana. Uh, followed by of the same heartland, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sorry, Wisconsin, Iowa, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota. I did, maybe North and South Dakota part of the uh, mountain there, to be honest. And then the Northeast. Finally, Maine, New Hampshire, all the New England states, um, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, and District of Columbia. Interesting. When respondents were asked. How likely they would be to support joining these hypothetical regions, uh, regional unions. 33% of the South and Pacific say they would. There were 50% of the Republicans in the Red South region who were ready to create their own nation. And there were 41% of Democrats in the Blue Pacific Union who wanted to separate from the rest of the country. Interesting. Uh, I'm not going to go through the rest there, but uh, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a trend. That's the trend where things uh, seem to be going. Fascinating. Biden regime ends Trump's Operation Talon. Attorney General say decision will create perverse incentive for foreign sexual predators. Now, what in the world could be the reason for this? The cancellation of Operation Talon effectively broadcasts to the world that the United States is now a sanctuary jurisdiction for sexual predators. Joe Biden has effectively ended Trump's Operation Talon program aimed at removing convicted sex offenders from illegally living in the U.S., he wants more sexual offenders in the country. Why? In the, what in the world? Joe Biden promised to undo Trump era policies, but his latest undoing has left America confused and bewildered, and and and, and might I add, uh, partially aroused. Is that what it, <laughs> Joe Biden sees that this is going? It's just all this degenerate sh- shit with him all the time. His sons, all this weird sex shit. What's I don't know what's going on with that. Remember the uh, even National File had the uh, uh, Joe Biden's daughter right had uh, said in the leaked di- diary. She believed she had uh, taken inappropriate showers with uh, with uh, Joe Biden, right? Uh, okay, so according to ABC News, South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson, along with 18 additional state attorneys, have urged Biden to reserve the dis- uh, decision uh, in a letter written to you to the President, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Ale- Alejandro Mayorkas, and Acting Director of ICE, Tay Johnson. We're working hard to fight human trafficking and sex crimes in South Carolina. And allowing convicted sex offenders who are here illegally to remain in our country makes absolutely no sense, said Wilson. These trafficking and sex crimes are repugnant to human decency uh, generally and to children specifically. Exactly. It's like a child thing weaved into this too. The attorneys general have expressed grave concern that Biden's latest move will encourage sex crimes and pedophilia in the united states according to the ill-advised decision threatens to empower sexual pre. but at least they're doing away with trump's policies though right isn't that uh, the bottom line at the end of the day uh, trump was a white supremacist uh, an open uh, racist and so therefore anything that he stood for needs to be undone and and here's the fruits of that now just let's bring in the child the pedophiles back in the country right the united states population of illegal immigrants include disturbingly large number of criminals with prior convictions for sexual crimes According to data collected by Syracuse University uh, Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse during the period from October 2014 to May 2018, ICE arrested almost 20,000 illegal aliens with criminal convictions for whom the most serious prior conviction was a conviction for sex-related offenses, wrote the attorney general or attorneys general. Holy crap. And it goes on from there. You get the idea. So undo Trump, even if it means... uh, actually allowing like pedophiles to, to thrive in the country right there was another one regarding the equity Act too that he's, that he's doing uh, turning on uh, you know basically calling people turfs and stuff like that women who don't want to have like you know hang out in, in locker rooms uh, with guys who are swinging their um, uh, their penises around because they claim that they're women uh, all of that's going to be done away with right or, or that's going to be allowed rather Biden's equity act is a danger to women's and conscience uh, conscience rights as President Biden has promised to unify the nation, but candidate Joe Biden also made campaign promises to the radical wing of his party that would widen our social divides. Guess which promises are being honored? Witness the so-called equity, Equality Act, I mean, which uh, candidate Biden wove to make a priority and which is set to be voted on by the House this week. What's the Equality Act? Uh, And who could be against equality? Don't let the name fool you. The act updates the law Congress passed primarily to combat racism, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and adds sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes akin to race. So if you have any reservation about gender ideology, as many progressives do, like J.K. Rowling, you'd uh, you'd now be the legal equivalent of Bull Connor. Rather than finding common sense, narrowly tailored ways to shield LGBT identifying Americans from truly unjust discrimination, the bill would act as a sword to persecute those who don't embrace newfangled gender ideologies. It would be uh, would uh, vitiate, vitiate is that what you pronounce it? A sex binary. That is quite literally written into our genetic code and is fundamental to many of our laws, not least laws protecting the equality, safety, and privacy of women. The Equality Act would sacrifice the hard-won rights of women while privileged, <coughs> excuse me, while privileged men who identify as women. Uh, if it becomes law, such men would have the right to spend the night in a battered women's shelter, disrobe in women's locker rooms, and compete on women's sports, even at K-12 schools. Don't believe me? Here's the text. An individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, a dressing room that is in accordance with the individual's gender identity, unquote. So you can keep separate facilities for men and women, but you have to redefine what men and women are. Likewise, you can reserve certain jobs only for men or women. Think TSA agents doing pat-downs, but you would have to let a man who identified as a woman do strip searches on women. I'm sure, that I'm sure there won't be perfect taking advantage of that. The act will also massively expand the government's regulatory reach. Of, of course, right? So you don't believe in 200 genders, off to jail and re-education camp with you, right? Is that where this is going? The Civil Rights Act, it seems, is too narrow for today's Democrats. The Equality Act would coerce any establishment that provides a good service, a program including a store, shopping center, online retailer, or service provider, salon, bank, gas station, food bank, service, blah, 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 you go on uh, to be classified under that. You can't discriminate in any place, right? Biden's Equality Act is going to be just a, a disaster in so many ways. And you have to just kind of commit and submit uh, to these new crazy just, uh, you know, gender uh, roles and, and you know, pronoun, pers- however you're perceived. You can't do anything against anybody. Uh but again, you can you, you can censor against everybody um, who doesn't uh, who don't agree with politically, though that's fine. You can ban them from banks, you can exclude them from the financial sector. Keep in mind, this is happening in unison with the Operation Choke Point that we talked about during the uh, Weekend Warrior Show, which basically is a way for the state and uh, uh, the government to basically uh, choke out people financially who, whom they uh, see as an enemy, who they disagree with. Uh, so oper- Operation Choke Point is back on the table. It was kind of defunct on the Trump. That's back. This equality act will be horrendous for uh, women who don't want to, you know, uh, have uh, uh, guys in their uh, locker rooms um, looking at their junk. And uh, then you have uh, also sex uh, sex offenders and pedophiles uh, being given safe haven in the United States. So I hope you hope your liberals enjoying where this is going because everyone can see what's happening here. Uh, okay, l- let me do a couple of these real quick here. Uh, the corona. I think we'll end on the corona stuff. I saw uh, another chat over on. Um, entropy here. Wise wildfire. Thank you, sir. Just, uh, just a, a, an eight in a parentheses. A smiley face. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very kind of you. Thank you, wise. Uh, always good to see you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Mr. Noseberg is there as well. He says Masad doing, uh, dedosing the stream. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I Gotta try to sort this out. Gotta have uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of aces up my sleeve if this continues because this is no good at all. Uh, but I think it might just be something temporary here today. Hopefully, it's nothing permanent. Uh, but yeah, okay, we're, we're back temporarily here anyway. And so we'll do a couple of, last, one of the, last few of these stories here. I wanted to quickly talk about the corona thing. There was a couple of other things. We'll wait on that. Iceland is getting diversified, uh, unfortunately. Um, we had the story out of uh, uh, the uh, Pact on Migration, the Brussels behind. We have to cover that another time. Um, time had their 100 list of the most influential people. I don't think there was a single white male on there, by the way, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, this one, we talked about the, the not the vaccine, but the software as it's called. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out RedAssMembers.com, Check out the Weekend Warrior show because in there we talk about what they're perceiving this to be, right? It's not a vaccine. It's a software or a app or a, um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so, software or a platform is the other word that they're using for it. It's a platform. Um, so, so far you have other people's lives being claimed here. Just five days after the second dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine, perfectly healthy 28-year-old healthcare worker and mom of a young boy, Sarah Stickles had what appeared to be an aneurysm and died several days later. Her family is now warning people about the vaccine. So you can't share this on Facebook. You can't talk about this. Uh, You're a conspiracy theorist if you believe that people are actually uh, being hurt uh, by the vaccine. Uh, Absolute travesty, right? And no one is telling you about this. Uh, no, no one is sharing with you the an- adverse effects. And I, w- I did want to do a correction here too. Hope the connection holds here, but I did want to make a correction. I uploaded this; uh, it's up on BitChute and our, on our website, Odyssey, a couple of no- number number of places. Uh, our channels, w- where I showed the vaccine adverse event reporting system, and uh, kind of a, pulled out a report from that to see it. And someone very astutely pointed out in the comments over on Odyssey that I did not choose deaths as the uh, specific adverse effect, so that person was right, and I, I didn't mean to; it was just a, a, an honest mistake. And so, there's a way that you can f- find this on CDC's when, website, right? The VAERS reporting system, uh, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System—that's what it's called. Uh, and if you go in there after all these, you know, uh, disclaimer approvals and stuff like that, you can fill this out the, uh, and request a form to give a, a you know, a da- to tap the database on deaths. There's all kinds of adverse effects that happens, right? But uh, if you see what I have on screen there now, it's kind of small. Uh, let me make it a little bit bigger. Uh, group resulted by various ID. Select that. Make sure you select adverse event description as well. Otherwise, there's no description associated with them. And then in this list, you ch- choose COVID-19. That's the vaccine. And then here you can choose territory, but I choose the U.S. and the known territories, I guess it is. And then here, this is what I forgot. Select other event characteristics. Now I just did all events and that was my mistake. We got something like 15,000 which which was a bit high. But if you do select death right there and then scroll down to the bottom, you can click send. And then the system sends back uh the results for that, right? Uh oh okay, I have to agree. See, your session timed out with 30 minutes inactivity. Please click the agree button. So I have to do that as, that as well. And then you have to what? Redo it again. Let me see. That's bullshit. But yeah, a lot of disclaimers for you to be able to use this. But you can go in and use it, and you can you can spit these numbers out. And you can go through it. Let's see if we can get a result here. So anyway, that was an honest mistake. Um, do they show how many? Uh, we get a result for 15,000. There's a 15,000-something adverse effects. Now, that included a wide range. Now, we're getting 799 total events. So, so 799 uh, deaths. So I listed fifteen thousand. My bad. My mistake. Should have paid more attention. Uh, doesn't matter if it's one. If you ask me, if it's one, it should be questioned, uh, and and we need to know if it's safe or not. Uh, so eight hundred so far in the U.S. Uh, that's like officially associated with people who have passed away in relation to the vaccine. Now, what I've heard also is that other people who do pass away a few days later. They don't associate that with the with the vaccine. In Spain, where the story, for example, where nine people passed away just a couple of days after given the vaccine, but the headline said, "Oh, there was this tragic outbreak of COVID nineteen again in the in the old you know care home, and that's the reason they died." And if I look at that, I was like, "Well, it's probably related to the vaccine." Or sorry, I shouldn't say vaccine. There's how much they mind control you. The, the the software that they're inserting into you, right? Uh, the software they're inserting software into you to reprogram. Uh, modify your DNA because they are using your DNA they're not taking DNA from anywhere else it's your DNA they're using that's why you're gmo but anyway so th- this is all the deaths right uh, so you're not allowed to talk about this here's I'm just scrolling down here in the list not allowed to talk about this this is conspiracy I think if you have concerns about this if you don't want to play Russian roulette and take this inject this software into you uh, then you're a conspiracy theorist and you can't discuss it on platforms like Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or any in DM messages now or anything like that, right? Uh, so you should just take it and shut the hell up, right? Shut the hell up. Um, yeah, we can skip this one too. Last one I want to show is this one, the UK. And then we'll wrap up here, guys. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, staying with us today and also uh, your support and uh, making sure that uh, the stream went well. I appreciate that. Uh, despite uh, despite the uh, the uh, disruptions, uh, we'll do a little check and tests here and see what's going on. Hopefully there's nothing uh, more... Uh, uh, more uh, recurring issue or problem with that. But check out this one here. Out of the UK, now they're telling you that you're going to be allowed to finally hug again on uh, on May 17th, folks, in the UK. If you live in the UK, on May 17th, you'll, you'll finally be able to hug again. Uh, Matt Hancock confirms people will be able to hug their family from May 17th, because by then most, the most vulnerable groups will have had both of their doses of the coronavirus vaccine. And I think there's a video here too. I guess we can, I guess we can look at that. So we, we, we can get the real uh, deal here from the government. Uh,
2: hugging should be as soon as possible, no later than May the 17th. Is that right? Yeah.
4: Yes, that's right. And that's the same date at which you'll be able to travel and stay overnight. Uh, and that um, that, that's in step three, Uh, which is obviously five weeks after the step two changes that we were talking about a a moment ago. Um, We know that close contact is how this disease is passed on. And so the reason for that timing is by then, all of the most vulnerable groups will have been able to have two jabs.
0: (laughs) Okay, which is, of course, that's when the problems begin too for people, right? The second dose is where a lot of people actually, uh, if they do have any immune munitions or something like that, that they succumb to it in some kind of capacity, right? Uh, that's a that's a it's it's basically a problem. I think this is just evil. But the way that they the way that the, we've conceded and given way, and now we're come crawling to the to the the state to the government to 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 beg and ask of when we can hug our family members again. I mean, this is just so far gone. I I, I don't even know what to what to say about it. It's horrible. <clears throat> but let me show you this uh, the screenshot there real quick. From Moderna's website regarding that, in case you didn't see the video, right? Uh, Software of life, they call this. uh, It's an application, a platform, a technology. Excuse me. mRNA is a temporary set of instructions for cells to make protein. mRNA is made using DNA. Whose DNA? Your DNA. It takes DNA and then it recodes them. It's a software that reprograms you, right? You get the idea so pretty pretty dodgy stuff if you ask me to be honest <clears throat> pretty dodgy stuff i don't th- i don't think they let let this go anytime soon though uh the covid uh, passports are probably here to stay international travel all these kinds of ways uh they're probably still going to um, enforce that <clears throat> although under biden in the us they'll, they'll kind of ease up on some things a little bit more to show how you know biden is our savior he he, he got us out of this horrible situation but we still have to do the the vaccine, we still have to do the passport, still have to monitor and trace and track you and all that kind of good stuff, right? All right, boys and girls, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you again for joining us here today. Check out redicemembers.com if you want to support the show, great way of um, checking out all of our content, redicemembers.com, get a membership over there, a number of ways that you can uh, sign up as well, of course. Uh, subscribe, star is a great way, entropy stream. And thank you everyone uh, joining us over on entropy stream today. I appreciate your support. Uh, thank you for the super chats, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to wrap up here before we have any any other further Uh, connection issues but yeah we'll be back soon of course much more um flashback friday is probably back next here i would assume uh try to make another video tomorrow we'll see if we can squeeze one out lana's working on one Uh, i have some other ones in the works as well uh we do have some interviews as well we've been talking about that too we're trying to piece together the schedule that's all i'm booking people uh but yeah that's coming up next flashback friday thank you everyone joining us lana will be back with us friday uh take care everybody thank you for your support and uh stay safe see you later